Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Download episodes of previous shows. Welcome to the podcast. We can get better at celebrating the effort, celebrating the lesson in a failure or a mistake. Um, then you're much more likely to have a positive reinforcement from that. Hello, friends. You are listening to the All Things Good For You podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bowen, founder of Integrative Health, Inc. And I'm Amy Christensen, your co-host and creator of Amy Christensen Health and Wellness Coaching. Join us as we explore the world of health and wellness and all things that make you feel good. From ancient traditions to modern advancements in technologies that give you the tools for a life well lived. What new paths might you discover on your health and wellness journey? Tune in each week as we deep dive into a variety of concepts and hear from other fun, passionate health and wellness experts on their experiences and philosophies. And remember, stay open-minded and integrated. Hello, hello. Good morning, good morning. Good How morning, Jay. <laughs> uh, great. I woke up, so that's that's a good thing. <laughs> hey, winning. <laughs> yeah, winning already. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a nice weekend, and as always, enjoy our morning conversations. So, um, I just got back from Florida. You're getting ready to go on a vacation to a beach yourself. So, I mean, we've got lots of good things happening between the two of us. Yeah, I would love to go to the beach where you went. I'm super excited to go see my family and hang out with them. But that beach that you went to looks spectacular. So I need to jump down there sometime. Yeah, well, you know, the whole reason I went there was to, um, well, other than a quick vacation, but I'm scoping out my health retreats that will be happening next year. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to come to your first one. Oh, that would be so fun. I mean, fun. if you'll allow me to. Only you. I mean, and, if and not, four if other I'm not women. Can you bring your wife with you? <laughs> uh, is it a women's only retreat? Not necessarily. I just primarily end up working mostly with women. And I find that women are more likely to do a week long escape where they really like shut everything out and focus on kind of resetting their metabolism, resetting their mindset. But hey, if men are up for it, I'm not going to say no. I think they are. I just think that opening that door and connecting to it in a way that like connects with them. You know what I mean? Like I'm totally open to all that stuff. And I hope that somebody who is listening here is like, well, I'm open to it too. And I want to go too. Yeah. Hey men, if you uh, want to do a week long retreat, if you want to join in a retreats and whether it's Florida, Colorado, and then I'm looking at one in Tulum, Mexico as well. Oh, there you go. I'll hold out for that. That'll be fun. (laughs) That's going to be a good one. (laughs) So yeah. What website do you go to to find that in the future? In the future, I'm in a uh, remake of my website right now. So it's just amychristiansen.com. But okay. right now, it's just a simple little page because I'm redoing the whole formatting of everything. So I'll put it on Integrative Health too. So 
when you have, you. whoever's listening, integrativehealthinc.com, yeah. check it out. It'll Thank be up there soon. <laughs> well, I want to kick off, if you don't mind, this podcast is about celebrating your wins. And I would like just to say and kick this off by celebrating you and celebrating us on All Things Good For You for making and always committing to the time to put this together and looking back at uh, the process that we've been through to do it and looking forward to the future and also celebrate all of our listeners and everybody who's committed their time to taking that little bit of extra effort and implementing this into their lives. So I thank you, Amy, and I thank you, everybody else, and congratulations. Brian Bowen, good job. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank it's important you to say our first and last name occasionally, from what I understand. <laughs> yes, Amy Christensen, it is. <laughs> Good job, Amy Christensen. <laughs> Good job, Amy Christensen. What's you have that? a list of what you're going to go through the list of all of our listeners. Okay, ready? Go. Yeah. So, and got, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, it's so great. What a fun little thing that we just like I think you literally said this to me running down the hall between clients and at one point you're like hey let's we should do a podcast and you're like oh, oh hey yeah okay that sounds great let's do it <laughs> Ta-da, here we are this is fun and I'm excited to like where it's gonna go and um, having some more guests coming on but yeah celebrating our wins why do we want to do this well I just want to say I'm super 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 passionate about this and to be honest with you this has been a big roadblock in my my life and by doing some coaching with a personal development coach and, and, you know, reading and just, you know, really stepping back and thinking about things. This has been a big lack of awareness, I guess, on my part where I have not done this in mm. a very long time. So really about a year and a half ago, maybe going on two years ago, this was more of a breakthrough for me. And so it's been very important and I've been incorporating this into my life. And I got to tell you, it's really helped with some of the self-sabotage that I've have had in my head sometimes or some, mm-hmm. you know, negative talk. And it really kind of empowers me and keeps me going as an owner of a company and a boss. It's not often that you get told good job. Oh. And I don't mean it in like that way, but it's true. So now I am kind of ridiculous about doing it. I have dances and I have for certain <laughs> things. I'll go through my list later because I would like to share some of the funny little examples with everybody, but we can do that later. But it is very, very important to me. And it should be even though I think that a lot of people have maybe know this. I challenge everybody to take the knowing Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, I know about this. I know it's important. I challenge you to take that voice and take it from knowing into true action. Yeah. Okay? Start being and doing the things. And absolutely, it's hard. Like, we know a lot of our things. Like, we were just talking about this, um, how it's nice to reflect on as we're doing podcasts. We kind of take it in, in our own homework, too, and say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I need to reflect on some of that again. And it's easy because we are designed our human basic design is to look at the next process and look for problems or check for negativity or push yourself. And I think we come from an age group too, where we were being challenged to do better by kind of pointing out the negative. I I always think of that show that was out for a little while. That was like a drill sergeant guy. I didn't really watch it, but he yelled at his people and said, what's your major malfunction maggot? Oh, God. <laughs> I was just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it was like a show and that's what he did. But yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, there are some times where maybe some harsh talk is necessary, but I think we get on that a lot and we can become trapped in that negativity. And we're now seeing how actually kind of a balancing out of celebrating your wins is also necessary. I think with today's world where we have so much negative and have so much comparison, it's more important and we're to celebrate those wins and to have those little moments of gratitude and you know, looking back and seeing what you've done well. There's a study, of course, you know, how I love our studies, but it was a pretty big study. I mean, it was like 12,000 diary entries from 238 employees across seven different companies. So it was pretty decent size. And they found that capturing their small wins each day and kind of looking back at those wins as a group or as um, from an employee to a um, team environment, it enhanced their motivation and just simply recording the processes, right? It helps kind of boost their awareness and their self-confidence. And so even corporations and companies as a whole are looking at how that really helps develop better participation and output and performance at work. So obviously, if it works for a large group of people, I think it works for us in our daily lives as well. Absolutely. And just to uh, tie a quote in there, because we got to always have a quote with your study, I love it because I love the balance is that the more you praise and celebrate your life, the more there is in life to celebrate, quoted by Oprah Winfrey. So again, like with that company, the more Mm -hmm. celebration and praise there is, that creates its own momentum, and the more there is to celebrate, and the more that trickles down. Yeah. Like Um, how how much do we want to get into the wins every day? Yeah. The trickle down, there's so many different levels. I think I talked about how for me, celebrating has helped deactivate, if you will, some of that other self-talk maybe, you know, and maybe it's smaller words like, God, I wish I'm not where, where I want to be, or I'm not where, mm-hmm. you know, it's that kind of pushing forward. But, you know, it does, like you said, with the dopamine, it re- activates the reward center of the brain, which mm-hmm. releases dopamine. It prevents you from falling into those mindful negative talks that I mentioned And I like it, too, because in our previous podcasts, we talked about the reticular activating system, and it trains your brain, and it trains that filter of your brain to start looking for that stuff. So it's really reshaping that filter on how we see things and recognizing celebration and recognizing when to celebrate. So helps the victim status, helps empower you for goals, helps create momentum, helps boost your confidence, gives your life more meaning thinking positive, again, that reticular activating system, which then helps attract more success. And then how we see the world. So there's so many, 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 good things. Celebrating your wins and not just your wins, but the process. Yes, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. So you go. Let's go. Well, I mean, not to cut you off, but I'm glad you're bringing that up because... I'm not a supporter of everybody gets a trophy for playing. I think we should be okay with not winning, right? But just the fact that you showed up and did your best and tried hard and you learned from something, I think, is a win in and of itself. I think we've learned possibly from some examples of previous generation um, of activities that maybe everybody winning all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm referring to? Like everybody gets a trophy, but you need to celebrate the losses as well. So you're learning from something and we can tie that into the dopamine process of when you make an error and you mess up, 
the brain recognizes this as something is quote unquote wrong. I think that's a different terminology. I think the brain isn't looking at something wrong. I think the brain is looking at like, hey, this is different than I expected. And this is a surprise, right? And so you get a little trigger of epinephrine and dopamine, and it kind of allows your brain to say, let's do something different, right? It ties into neuroplasticity. If you mess up, we learn from that and we have to kind of change our process. I've mentioned this before in a different podcast of like children who are taught to not quote unquote win or get it right. They learn from the process of failing or messing up as a win. Like, huh, let's take this information and look at this and see how I can do this differently. Like, this is good. I'm, I'm learning from this. If we would just be able to do that more as adults, I think we're going to see a lot more quote unquote wins even mm -hmm. from our failures, right? Yeah, I, as a parent, I just think it's just interesting. With kids, like, we celebrate everything they do. And again, it's the process. I mean, from the time that they start to walk, I mean, it's like, well, you're kind of supposed to do that. So really, I mean, if you look at it, mm -hmm. like, we celebrate every little thing, right? And the process, and which is amazing. And the kids, like, when they fall down or whatever, they get up and like clap and smile and celebrate yeah. themselves. <laughs> and uh, my middle daughter's a, a soccer player. And so, you know, not only are you cheering and celebrating the offense when they're doing something good, but you're celebrating the defense too. And you're celebrating a good pass, right? Even though it's mm -hmm, not right. a goal, it's like, good pass. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Of course, you always have the off parent that's like doing the opposite to the people. But my point is, is you know, sometimes celebrating, like you said, that's not a win, but it's a defensive maneuver in a way that helps something that maybe didn't happen that could have been a bad thing or just the process of going through it. Like I celebrate mm -hmm. when I go to the gym, <laughs> I actually celebrate just showing up in the parking lot. Like the fact that I made it to the parking yes. lot, I start yeah. my celebration there because I know I'm going to get a good workout in. It's just showing up to the parking lot. Exactly. And you know what? On that note, like that's a big point in Atomic Habits where he points out that, I think it was Atomic Habits, where the guy who just wants to lose a little bit of weight, well, he has quite a bit of weight to lose and he's pretty intimidated. But what he did was just set a small goal of just like, I'm just going to walk in and stand in the gym. I'm just going to show up for five minutes. And he didn't do anything. He just walked in and showed up, stood in the gym for five minutes. And then the next time he like progressed to 10 minutes and he just like took small little steps. But not to say that that's a win, but it's somehow it does register in your brain as, well, I accomplished that. That's a habit yeah. I can create. And look, I, I did this. It wasn't intimidating and this isn't scary and I don't need to avoid it. And I think that there's definitely a chemical reaction that, that ties into that. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. It's and a reward. Again, that reticular activating system, once it hits that reward center mm -hmm. and that the brain starts to recognize that, it, the filters change. Yeah. And it's an achievable goal. And but I think that it's amazing. I mean, to, I guess to start identifying things that you might not consider wins or when you should celebrate. So let's throw out some examples just because I think it's good. I actually want to celebrate a client of mine who mm -hmm. just got an award for a medium-sized quilt uh, that oh, wow. she made. And so that's an awesome thing. She It's her passion to do quilting. And you know, for some people, like, it might not be a, a big a thing, but like when you're passionate about something and you put your time and you put your energy into creating this thing and other people celebrate it, uh, getting that reward is an amazing thing. So cheers to you. You did an amazing job and that's awesome. And, so and it is like artwork for sure. That's Oh, God. I can't imagine 
being that patient. <laughs> yeah, I can't either. <laughs> so yeah, so whether it is something like that or whether it is showing up to the parking lot, I, for an example, did a spin class the other day at my house. And when you do it by yourself, sometimes it's, it's a, it can be a little more challenging, but I got my girl Sharika on Apple Fitness and she cheers me on. And so I got up and did it. And then after I did it, like I gave myself, I have like a little front hug that I mm -hmm. did. And since we've been talking about this podcast, I've changed and went in more depth with some of my celebrations. So I was like, good job, Brian Bowen, you did it. I know it was hard to get up here and do that spin class, you know, but blah, blah, blah. Or like mm -hmm. after yesterday of working with patients, just to reach around and give myself a pat on the back and go, I tried my hardest today and I put it all out there and good job. And, you know, so there's many different ways to celebrate. I have like a little happy dance for when I sell a certain product. I have... You know, some so like the Macarena? Do you like the Macarena it. dance? <laughs> I'll, I'll do it right now. It's a clap, clap, <laughs> two finger points up, and then a cheers, hands above your head. <laughs> that is so, so. organized. <laughs> and, oh, and then I go, and then I go, woo. I go, woo, woo. because it's it's through a WooCommerce app, so it's ah. woo. <laughs> I love it. You are just such a positive person. But I mean, that's just a perfect example. It's like not everybody is as positive as we are and not as positive as you are. But even with that, we have to make it an effort. We have to kind of stop. I had to stop recently. I'm getting ready to take on a new venture and put a big investment into something that's a lot for me. And I kind of started going down that fear base of, oh my gosh, how's this Anna? And you're, then I started like, oh, you know, just kind of all the critiquing and the criticizing. And then I had to stop and go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, I call my, you know, the amygdala, I call it Amy G, that fear center that starts kicking in. And I just was like, Amy G, no, like you got to stop. Like, look at everything that I have overcome and accomplished. Like I've had some pretty big challenges in the last year and I have done some extremely hard work and time investment and just I've made some huge accomplishments in the last year and it's so easy to stop you know not thinking and reflecting on that and so I did I call her Amy G and I had to call her out say stop it you're not going to do that look at where you are look at what you've done and even though we're not always celebrating at the moment looking back and celebrating and looking at what you really have accomplished and what you really have achieved and stopping with comparisonitis, right? Like we can't look at where Joe down the road is because we don't know, first of all, the whole story and we don't know the motivation and that kind of thing. You're like with social media and things like that today, it's so easy to look at how people are winning on online or whatnot. And we don't know their whole story. You've got to look at where you are and where you're going and what you've accomplished to keep that positive winning releasing or whatever of chemicals in your body to say, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. Hey guys, it's Brian. I just wanted to take a pause for a moment in the middle of this podcast to thank our sponsors, Ouch, who's helping to make this podcast possible today. Ouch believes everyone should enjoy what life has to offer without enduring pain. They are a pain relief company. Listen guys, I use their products a lot. Their proprietary herbal formula is built on top of a 2,000-year-old formula, giving it time-tested, effective results. And I'm going to listen to that any day of the week. The combination of that with the founder having over 22 years of actual hands-on experience treating patients for musculoskeletal pain makes Ouch a very special company. Ouch is made with the highest quality of certified herbs, 
and CBD from organic hemp oil. Their ingredients are extracted with the utmost integrity to ensure the healing properties remain pure and concentrated to promote natural muscle pain relief and other benefits. I got to tell you, I appreciate that so much as a consumer. I want to know what I'm getting is exactly what's being sold to me. So they take it a step further. They have a certificate of analysis for all their ingredients before it goes into production and after production to ensure that you're getting what you're paying for. Listen here, guys, don't settle for a lesser version of your best self today when you can feel your best today. Check out ouch.shop, that's spelled O-U-T-C-H dot shop for a full line of their products. They're an amazing company. I use their products on a daily basis, so check them out. Well, I'm very proud of you and good job for putting Amy G in check. Amy G, she's just, woo. Again, and again, that's, that's a win and celebrate that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we, well, it's nice to have that, yeah. Yeah, no, to have that awareness and to be able to like, to be able to hear it or feel it, understand mm-hmm. it and do something about it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. So good job. Yeah. And I think that we need to like not wait for other people to celebrate us or to celebrate the things you do, start celebrating yourselves and the things you do. And I think that that's one of the things I was doing is just, there was nobody else do. I mean, I'm not saying my mom and, you know, my wife and, and stuff like that, my kids, even though, you know, it's, it happens, but don't get me wrong, but to just, we don't need to wait for somebody else to recognize and celebrate our wins. We need to recognize and celebrate the process, the wins, the achievements, the milestones, because we're all practicing in life, just like my daughter's playing soccer and they go to practice and we cheer them on at practice. Mm-hmm. We're practicing this thing called life. Yeah. And things that you're doing in that practice, we need to stop and celebrate, even if they seem ridiculous, but change up that celebration style. You know, use your first name, use your last name, change what you say, change the tempo, change the tone, you know, shake it up for the brain. Right. And speaking of the brain, you know, how I love it. We have to, yes, we're going to have wins, but the different amount of celebration is different for different reasons, right? Like we're not going to like have a party every time we don't run over the guy in traffic. I can't <laughs> Yay, do this. Look at me. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> look at me. No, I didn't hurt anybody today. <laughs> I mean, I guess you can. That's actually probably a good Why thing. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but my point being, like if we talk about dopamine, right? You know, I love the brain chemicals and, you know, I love listening to one of my favorite podcasts and uh, a geek out on neuroplasticity and dopamine releasing and everything like that. But I didn't know this. I just learned this, but we always talk about dopamine hits almost like like if you do something, you get this little boost of excitement, right? And it, it is a little bit like that, but everybody has a baseline of dopamine in their system all the time. So it's kind of like your mood, general mood and your general motivation. Like we know some people like are super like charged up and ready to go and do everything all the time. Let's go and let's get this and let's make this happen. And some people are more of, ah, I'm just going to chill and think about that for a little while. You know, you have different levels of baseline dopamine in your system all the time. And so there's um, a tonic and phasic releases of dopamine that help with your motivation. And that's based around those moments of winning and celebrating. And so what they found is if every time you have a peak of dopamine because of some kind of surge, whether it was something exciting or a win that you're celebrating or, you know, an adrenaline rush of something, when you come back down from that peak, your baseline of dopamine actually raises a little bit. 
And you would think that that's a good thing, but if you continue to do that, what they found is that your brain doesn't recognize the highs and lows, essentially, that you actually have to have more and more intense for some people and then um, for everybody in some level, like you, you, the, the intensity of the win or the celebration or the excitement, the adrenaline has to go up to get that peak to go up high enough because your baseline's slowly rising. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's like tying back into, yes, we need to celebrate our wins, but at different levels of excitement. And sometimes it's okay to say, well, I'm not going to have a big party for that. I'm just going to recognize, yeah, good job. Like, I'm not going to have this big excitement response to something and then build up to something that you can celebrate because it really changes the effect later of how exciting something is to you and how much of a impact it can be like in memory base. Like if you celebrate something really exciting, you think about something that you did that was super challenging or super fun and you're very excited about it. If you talk about it five, 10 years later, you can still get that little bit of energy and that little bit of excitement built up around that moment, right? But if you were to have that party all the time for every level or that level of excitement for every single thing you did, they're finding that it's more challenging to be excited about things and have that chemical reaction later. I think it's good. I totally agree. I think it's good to be, first of all, I'm all about diversification, but also being authentic about it. So Mm, now for, and I'm just being goofy here a little bit, but you know, I'm a male, so I'm not in touch with my feelings, but I've been working hard to become in touch with my feelings. And I say that, you know, jokingly, of course, but not really, because it's (laughs) true. Like I, there's certain times where I just like, you know, and again, I'm I'm just generalizing here a little bit, but Mm -hmm. where like for me, I just didn't really think about exactly connect with how I'm feeling and how to vocalize it. So celebrating authentically has actually helped me express like what I'm actually feeling through my emotions, but in my own privacy, you know what I mean? So like be real with yourself in that celebration. Mm -hmm. But the other benefit of that is it really does help. Like I feel this way Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say it. So like being able to identify that emotion and express it, there's some other benefit to it. Right. And kind of like what you're talking about there with like positive psychology and, and the miscommunication that happened where you can just fake it till you make it. You actually can't just say positive affirmations to yourself if you don't actually believe some form of it. Like you can say all day long, but your deeper subconscious level knows <laughs> whether mm-hmm. you know if something is going to be good or not. So you kind of have to find a way to think positive about and have affirmations that are a little more realistic. And that's why I say, you know, we can get better at celebrating the effort, celebrating the lesson in a failure or a mistake. Then you're much more likely to have a positive reinforcement from that. And your brain and your body are going to think of it as a positive and an educational Mm -hmm. process rather than beating yourself up for not doing something quote unquote correct. Yeah, so diversify, be authentic. And again, going back, I just want to say I challenge everybody. You know, some things we talk about, it's when we read a book or we listen to a podcast, we might know it. But this is one I'm like, it's really important. I feel like it's given mm-hmm. me so much value that I want you to I challenge you to take the knowing into the action. Yeah. So dive a little deeper. I want you to have a visceral sense of what it feels like and the little things that we do. It could be, 
you know, again, for her quilting, the fact that she went and sat at the sewing machine and gave herself that time when she had many other things in the day to do, mm -hmm. right? That could have taken that time up to making the time to do it, right? That's a celebration. That's a recognition of, I did it. I actually have never taken my boat out before by myself and I've always wanted to. And so I tried to do it last Monday for the first time and I let the day get away from me. So I didn't do it. And mm -hmm. so I did it this Monday mm -hmm. and I had to work on the trailer. So I needed the boat off the trailer, but I took it out by myself, launched the boat by myself. And I went out on the water and I had like the most amazing grounding, calming hour and a half mm -hmm. that I've had in a long time that was just super chill and meditative. And the fact that I did it, like, yeah. it seems like a ridiculous thing. I didn't like finish a marathon, but mm -hmm. I was so happy and proud of myself. And so I did it again on Thursday. <laughs> so now, <laughs> now, now I'm addicted to it. But again, making the time to actually do it and then doing it, right? And my boat didn't sink. And, you know, I made the time. The world didn't fall apart and so forth. So even, again, it's not a life-changing thing, but like, if you made the time to do it, just recognize those things and it challenge you to viscerally feel that. And it becomes a good addiction to where your brain is recognizing more and more and it makes you want more and more. So, yeah, I love that. And spending time out on a boat is amazing. So, you know, how can we apply these to everyday life, right? Journaling is a really thing that's been researched and coming up more and more often. And a lot of people will kind of foo-foo it, but there's some significant evidence for even just small moments, like one of the things that I had, a, I have a friend uh, that I made through Facebook that has since become a good friend. And one of the things we connected on was he keeps track of like little gratitude. It's just three things of gratitude every day. And every now and again, he would post them on Facebook. And then he started like a lot of his friends started posting stuff too. And they're like, I like this. And it was very inspiring. And then I don't have a gratitude journal. I have a, I love journal because I'm a very big feeler. So I started posting every now and again, not every day. And I keep track of my stuff every day, but not online. It's always started sharing. I love at least once a week or so. And it was just, it's just fun. It's a nice little way to recognize appreciation and then challenging yourself to look for moments of celebration and something to appreciate. Like we'd said, it's so easy because our brains are designed to recognize trouble and recognize negativity. The gratitude journaling or just moments of recognition of wins and writing those down really helps your brain connect all the pieces. And we can get into a podcast. I'm actually certified in therapy journaling. Brian, did you know that? I, you know what, I just learned that. And I think that's amazing that you are certified in that. And I think we should have a podcast about journaling. I think that there's a, a lot more to that than what beats the eye. And I am not going to lie. I am terrible at journaling. I have a journal that my kids got me about being a dad. I have a journal about, I, I have like this little control center on my computer where I'm good at putting things down. And it's more like a virtual sticky note of journals, but mm -hmm. to sit down and write it in a book there, I know how important it is. And I'm not awesome at that. I, so I would love to have a podcast about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, there's a lot of good science behind it and there's some practice about it. And, you know, I'm, I am a certification junkie, but I definitely spent some time on that one and I feel like it's um, important. But even if, like I said, if it, you don't have to spend 20 minutes writing your thoughts down, you can just have a note section on your phone where you three things you think of every day for appreciation shows that it makes a positive impact on celebrating your wins, celebrating mm -hmm. moments of happiness and redirecting your day for appreciation. I love it. 
I like the physical stuff. I think it's good if people for little action steps they could do is catch it in the moment. I like that I'm all about the happy dances. It could be whatever, uh, self high fives, pats on the back, like you literally reach around. I alternate shoulders, so right hand to left shoulder, pat on the back. I'm doing it right now. Good job. Good Just job. Just the shoulder range of motion. Good job, Amy, and Russ getting this done this morning <laughs> and making the time. Good job. So, yeah, little happy dances, little sayings, and being like improv on what you say to yourself. Just really, but I, you know, trying to catch it in the moment. So I think looking back on the day and what you've done is awesome. Catching it in the moment's awesome. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. So what are some ways? Okay, so journaling, little happy dances, team recognition. We talked about like if you're working with the in a corporate environment, if you can create little moments of that within your team, teaching your coworkers and teammates to have their little moments of recognition and self-celebration, but also for each other. Like just like it feels nice. Like when somebody tells you, hey, Brian, you know, good job. I really appreciate how you look positively at this. And thanks for inspiring us to do this. Like find a way to show an appreciation for somebody that you work with or you interact with. Like maybe you need to tell your spouse, thank mm-hmm. you for something. <laughs> it's amazing yes. what that does for not only the person receiving the compliment, but what that actually does for yourself to give a compliment and say something nice to somebody. There's a lot of oxytocin releasing when that happens. Yep. Yeah, so absolutely. people your good things. But Keeping little journals or just your day planner. Okay, I totally do these things. Like I definitely am the person that's a list person. And if I needed to, I would go back and say, Amy had her coffee today. Yep, check. I did that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I woke up today. Doing good. (laughs) There's literally, that's okay if it needs to get to that point. It truly does help change your brain and make you feel a little more positive and successful. To look Mm -hmm. back and see what you actually did accomplish, even if it's a small thing. But you can stack that up over time. Right. So nice to keeping a calendar or journal, even if it's just short notes, you know, right. You can look back at the last week or month or year and say, you know, what did I get right? What did I learn from messing up? What did I get finished that I started? What did I start that maybe I need to focus on and not look at as a negative, but like, okay, I've started this. I'm taking on a new project. You know, what'd you launch? What kind of relationship things did you strengthen, right? What did you do within your own home or your friendships that's a positive? And taking little moments to look back and see what you really have have achieved and where you're going. Absolutely. And give yourself the big wins too. Like after, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, putting this much energy and, and working towards something like it's great to be able to just say, you know what, I'm taking this day off next week and playing a little hooky and I'm going to go for a hike or I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z because I deserve it. I've done a great job and I'm going to mm-hmm. celebrate it or even a giant vacation, right? That yeah. dream vacation that you want, you know, don't feel guilty about it. So make that a goal too and celebrate with the big stuff. I think the small stuff is super important. And you got to give yourself that big one every now and then too. you know, keep that diverse, just like, again, going back to the levels of celebration. So the smaller stuff and the big stuff. Yep, absolutely. Find ways you can celebrate the big things and the little things. I like it. All right. We want to celebrate our day. Like, good job. We just finished another podcast. Good job. (laughs) And thank you guys. It's going to continue the celebration on. Thank you so much, everybody, for referring Uh, this to other people and sharing these podcasts. I hope that there's always a golden nugget that you get from it. Again, challenge you to take this from knowing into action. 
it's brought me so much value in my life and uh, continue to want to get more of that. So please share, like us, do the five-star thing. If you have something awesome to say, we'd love to see that on Apple or Spotify as well. And thank you, Amy, as always. Yeah, thank you, as always. I always enjoy our day. Honestly, getting up and doing these and then having the rest of the day is always more positive. And, you know, we already, I already feel like we've got a successful day. So thank you. All well, right. Get thank out you. There, have an amazing day. Win. Okay. You too. Everybody Bye. have a wonderful time, a wonderful day. And like you said, give us some feedback. Jump on our, um, hey, don't we have a link for our podcast on your page on the website for Integrated Yes. Health? Yes, there's a page, Integrative, I-N-T-E-G-R-A-T-I-V-E, healthinc.com. There's a link to the podcast up there. There's also going to be, they'll be downloaded on that webpage too. So for people who are technically not as into podcast apps and stuff like that, they'll be available there. And then we should have our page for this podcast up here shortly too. So stay there to find out more good things. We're going to be expanding a little bit on some side trailers and ideas and suggestions from our listeners and just supplying a little more information. And then like when we make recommendations or um, like the exercises and links and things will all be contained there. And that way they won't get lost and you don't have to search for them. So join us over there, integrativehealthinc.com. I love it. Thank (laughs) you. All right. Thanks, Brian. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hey friends, thank you for tuning in to the All Things Good For You podcast. Please note, any information, experiences, ideas, or opinions discussed today are for educational and thought-provoking purposes only and not intended as medical advice. If anything piqued your curiosity, please consult with your doctor or personal medical professional. And if you're enjoying All Things Good For You podcast, hop on over and leave us a five-star review so we can continue delving in and providing great content. Thanks again, and we hope you're inspired to stay informed and responsible along your health and wellness journey. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. News. My name is Dom Sweeney. This is the Cool Hand News Podcast, episode 27. It is Saturday, October 16th. 
year of our Lord, 2021. And some of you may have noticed that we missed an episode yesterday, and uh, that was due entirely to some unforeseen things that arose on my end. Uh, For anyone that was inconvenienced by it, please accept my apologies. Generally speaking, I like to warn folks when we are missing an episode, and on that note, I want to announce a few changes that are going to be taking place moving forward. And these changes came about as a result of a conversation I had with my lovely wife, who means more to me than anything else in the world, including this podcast. (laughs) And I have a pattern. For those of you who do not know me personally, I kind of have this pattern of jumping into things headfirst, giving them everything I have, and then burning myself out. And then obviously from there, things tend to crash and burn. Now, it doesn't mean that success isn't found along the way. It just means that the pace is unsustainable. And I do not want to get to that point with this podcast. Now, I know uh, when we started the Cool Hand News podcast, the intent was to do an episode every day because freedom doesn't take a day off. The fight for freedom, rather, doesn't take a day off. However, there are also things in one's personal life that need attention as well. You can't, there's a saying, Jordan Peterson has a saying, it, it, it has something to do with putting your house in order. You can't worry about someone else's problems unless your own house is in order. I'm paraphrasing, he's obviously more uh, thoughtful in the way he proposes this th- proposes that idea, but you get the picture. And you probably were told something along those lines as a kid by your parents, if you were like me. So, with that said, we are going to be taking some days off on the Cool Hand News podcast. Like I said, it doesn't mean that the fight for freedom doesn't take a day off. That has to continue every day. Remember, immense and personal sacrifice is the only way we get this task done. But we will assuredly fail collectively if we all go crazy from overwork. So with that said, the Cool Hand News podcast will not be recording episodes on Wednesday evening and Sunday, two days. We will continue doing so on Saturday, and we will continue doing so throughout the rest of the week. But Wednesdays will be a day off, and Sundays will be a day off, which could change. That could change. If if we get you know, further down this road, realize that there's just too much happening on Wednesdays. We can't take that day off. We're going to have to make it happen a different day. Then we'll address it from there. We're just going to try this for now, so please bear with me. Uh, I greatly appreciate your flexibility on this, by the way, So, and it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so, so just, again, bear with me. We're going to try this, see how it works. I may do like a quick update on Wednesdays, something along those lines. Every time I say it's going to be a quick episode, though, it ends up being something around 40 minutes. It's hard to keep things under 40 minutes. However, 
Maybe I'll try doing a 10-minute update on Wednesday and maybe even doing one on Sunday. But I think Sundays might just be off the table, at least for now. And like I said, if we need to revisit days, that's great. We will do so, and I will absolutely keep you up to date as we move forward. So, what happened while we were away? Very important. Very important, my friends. What happened while we were away yesterday? Well, a couple a couple of things took place that I feel need some attention, shall we say. And of course, the first thing on the list involves King Biden. Now, King Biden, for, for those of you who do not know, is the King of the United States of America. He was coronated in in January of 2020. He began he became the king of the United States, and he's a mad king. There there have been mad kings throughout history. They've always destroyed the countries they ruled over, and and this is no different with King Biden. He's a mad king. Uh, he's obviously insane uh, on every level. He's he's very old as well. There, I have nothing against old people. Old people, in fact, should garner the most respect out of anyone on this planet, unless, of course, they're the Mad King. And, and in this case, respect isn't a word that I would even use in a paragraph that also had King Biden's name in it, unless I'm saying something along these lines and, and clarifying that there is no respect. No, King Biden has done more to damage this country in the short time he's been our king than any other world leader since, I don't know, Adolf Hitler or maybe Stalin, something along those lines, maybe the Castros. And there's a pattern with world leaders like that. Their countries always go to hell and then the people are left holding the pieces and it takes decades to build back. And I'm not talking about build back better. No, that's a King Biden catchphrase that's actually a signal to his globalist masters that he's doing everything he can to destroy the people who live in the country he rules over. Build back better is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's a Klaus Schwab, Nazi World Economic Forum talking point, and all of the dictators in, in, in across the globe currently use that saying, build back better, to signal to people like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and the men behind the curtain, that they are on board with the destruction of their own countries. It's as simple as that. There really Nothing else really needs to be said about it. It's an Agenda 2030, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum talking point, and any time you see it, you can bank on the fact that it's just a code. It's just a code. A code for destroy the country that whatever leader is talking in front of that sign that says build back better on it, whatever leader is doing so, you can bet they're signaling to these guys that they are fully on board. And part of the build back better agenda of King Biden specifically is vaccinating the entire country. It's something we've covered over and over again here at Cool Hand News. And 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 the, the the prize possession for these satanic weirdos is always the kids. It's why they go after kids so hard in school. It's why they go after with with the with the transgender nonsense and the LGBTQ uh, garbage that they they teach these kids like Lawn Boy. Remember we talked about Lawn Boy the other day, the book in which two fourth graders are having 
sexual interactions in the bushes behind a, a, a church. That's got Satan written all over it. Pardon me for being churchy, my friends, but there's really no other explanation for it as far as I'm concerned. Satanic! That's what we're dealing with. And people that write books like that should really be institutionalized, at least put on an island somewhere, separated from those of us who are trying to do everything we can to fix the problems we have, as opposed to making them worse. But I digress. Biden is doing everything he can to get shots in arms, shall we say, as it relates to children. And I want to discuss quickly a phone call Biden had with the governors. Now, some of you are probably familiar with the fact that the president has, I think, regular phone calls with all of the governors of each different state. Now, I know that Biden isn't actually the president, he's the king, but they're playing president, shall we say. And unfortunately, many of these governors are on board. Even your favorite, uh, your favorite governors like uh, Greg Abbott, as an example, in Texas. You'll remember Greg Abbott destroyed the state of Texas for a year and a half before regaining his senses, if you will, and, uh, lim- and banning vaccine mandates in, in, the great, in the Lone Star State. But in between that happening and the beginning of COVID, Greg Abbott did everything he could to destroy Texas, myself included, in that category of things that were destroyed. So I have no love for Greg Abbott. In my opinion, he's a squishy uh, Trojan horse, if you will, a Trojan horse. But regardless, the, the king in this instant, he has instance rather, he has a phone call with the governors, his governors. They, they, they communicate on a, I guess it's a Zoom call, or maybe it's one of those red phones they have at the White House. Who knows? But Biden was talking to the governors the, the other day, and he is advising them and, and encouraging them and letting them know that as early as, early as November, they should pe- prepare to begin distributing COVID-19 vaccines to elementary school children. Again, as early as November. That's what Biden told the governors. Hey, get ready because we're going to start sticking this, th- sticking this thing in, in elementary school children. And you need to prepare logistically because there's a lot of lunatic parents out there that, that are going to line their poor defenseless children up to receive this vaccine. And you can bet that's going to happen, my friends. That is exactly what's going to happen. Parents who have lost the plot, and there are many of them, they are going to line their kids up and, and force this injection on them. Whether like, and, and what can the kid do about it? They have no rights. Children have no rights. The parents are the ones with the rights. The parents have the right to do anything at that for that matter, except for abuse the kid. And unfortunately, in this case, the abuse is being encouraged by King Biden and the people that work for King Biden. And all of these governors, you could, I guarantee you, governors around the country, when this thing becomes approved under an emergency use authorization for kids, the governors around this country, every single governor is going to encourage the parents to get their kids vaccinated. I don't care if you're Ron DeSantis. He's going to encourage people to get vaccinated. They just continue down this path. All the while, theirs. The Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System has logged 16,000 deaths following this vaccine in adults. And now we want to roll it out to, to the kids as well. 
It's very, very, very problematic, my friends. But on this note, with this situation with the kids, Biden, the governors, listen, when this thing gets approval from an emergency use perspective, which is what's going to happen first for the 5 to 11 age category, it'll be an EUA type scenario like we've had for adults. And remember, this Pfizer vaccine that the media and Biden and your employer is telling you has has been approved has actually not been approved. We've covered this in detail. What was approved by the FDA is this Comirnaty thing from Pfizer and BioNTech, the German company BioNTech, who got their funding from the German government, which is another kind of side note here that needs to be remembered. This vaccine was not funded through Operation Warp Speed, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. This Comirnaty drug that has has been approved by the FDA but is not available to the public yet, key, key right there. What you are taking if you're taking this vaccine right now is still under EUA. Comirnaty is is not in circulation. And again, it was funded by bio by the German government who who gave the money for this vaccine, Comirnaty, to BioNTech and Pfizer. So the German government is behind the Pfizer vaccine, which, of course, is is very strange. It's just the Germans, again, doing weird medical experimentation like that didn't go sideways almost a century ago. You'd think these guys would learn their lesson. And I've got something on that a little bit later here that I want to cover. A German state has now given the go-ahead for supermarkets to ban unvaccinated people from shopping in them. Uh, again, a very twisted and diabolical angle for the Germans to, to come from, if you know what I mean. We, we have a history here, and you would think that the Germans of all people would be very aware and very sensitive to that. But obviously, lessons have not been learned, and we'll, we'll cover that here in a second. But this drug, this, this Pfizer vaccine, the EUA for kids, that's coming. And Biden's warning, warning the governors there's going to be a run on this thing because lunatic parents out there want to get their kids vaccinated so they can have playdates again, so the parents can feel safe again. The, the parents are the problem here. These kids are defenseless. They have no choice in the matter. And these parents are just going to stick them up with this experimental vaccine, this this experimental biological agent that's killed tens of thousands of people around the world and injured millions. They're going to go ahead and give it to the kids so they can feel better about themselves, about their safety. It's very selfish. It's very cruel. It's very unusual. And, and hopefully these guys get held accountable. And if your child, if you're a parent that takes your kid to get this vaccine and your and your child dies, well... That's going to be a hard lesson to learn, isn't it? And, and and until things like that start happening, parents are going to continue being lunatics about this COVID agenda. They just can't see it. It's right in front of their faces, but they can't see it for whatever reason. The point being, when this vaccine gets the EUA for 5 to 11-year-olds, that's when the mandates are really going to... That, that that's when the mandate discussion is going to crank up to a thousand. Now, of course, they're going to have a hard time mandating an EUA product for five to eleven year olds, but they they've had no problem mandating it to adults, and it hasn't been approved. They're mandating vax. They're not mandating which vaccine you take, mind you. Remember, 
if your employer is mandating you get a COVID vaccine, they're not mandating that you get the Comirnaty vaccine that was approved by the FDA. No, and that's not even out yet. Remember, that's not on the table as an option for a vaccine you can take right now. So they're just mandating you get any COVID vaccine, which which means they are mandating vaccines that are experimental in nature, which is illegal. We have been through this before as, as a world. Never forget Nazi Germany and the medical experimentation they did on prisoners in these camps. That's essentially what's taking place now with these vaccines. Because again, your employer is not mandating you get an FDA-approved COVID vaccine. They're just mandating you get one in general, which means you have legal recourse. And whether or not your employer fires you is inconsequential as it relates to this, because the legal system will come around. It's going to come around. When when the writing is on the wall and the scales have been tipped and they're, and we're getting there closer every day, which means you can't give up, which means freedom doesn't take a day off. So even if you're taking a day off from the Cool Hand News podcast, do something to further the cause, so to speak. I know I will be on the days that I'm not recording these episodes, Wednesday and Sunday, like we covered earlier. Regardless, this thing has not been approved and your employer is not... They are not uh, being specific, shall we say, about which vaccine you get. It can be any of them, but they're still mandating it. So when it comes to these kids, you can bet that some of these lunatic school districts across the country that are already destroying ch- children's fallible minds, or maybe fallible is not the right word, their their minds are easily manipulated because they are young. They're impressionable impressionable children and we're filling their heads with this CRT and the and the race-based education and the and the transgender crap and the and the LGBTQ stuff that's doing nothing but confusing these kids and making them little democrat activists in the making. That's of course the goal. It always has been with public education. Why are all the people in public education democrats? Why is that? How, why why is that how, how the, the cookies crumbled, so to speak? It's very interesting. Another topic for another day. However, be prepared for a new round of mandate nonsense as soon as this thing gets approved for children. Schools are going to mandate that kids get this vaccine. It's just going to happen. I'm sorry to be the one that has to tell you that, but it's going to happen and you have to be prepared, especially if you have kids in one of these public schools. Be prepared for that fight because it's coming to your door. It's There is no escaping what's happening in this country right now. If you're somebody that's just trying to sit on the sidelines, it's not going to work. It's going to come for you. So you might as well jump in with both feet now and get prepared because that at least that way when it hits you in the face, it doesn't knock you down. You can stand, you can stand there and take it, turn your head back around and say, okay, let's get it done. That's the mindset. So when they when they, when they start coming for the kids, which they're about to do, my friends, that's on the table. It's about to happen. When they start coming, just be prepared for that fight and be prepared to stand your ground. And if you have to take your kids out of school, like I've said over and over and over again, that's just what you have to do. Will it be hard? Of course it will be. We've discussed that in detail. But there are resources. But there there are resources for you should you choose to do that. 
Make Americans Free Again. I've mentioned them over and over and over again. Get in touch with those guys. It's a, it's a woman named Pam Popper. She has done an outstanding job setting up this grassroots, this self-sufficient grassroots organization run, ran entirely by parents who are uh, trying to shield their kids from the madness taking place. It's a great organization to get involved with. So if you're one of the one of the, one of those parents who's who's concerned about what you can do to fight for your kid and to fight for 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 their safety and their health and their education, get in touch with somebody like Pam Popper. She's not the only one. There are plenty of organizations out there fighting this fight. So, Last thing on this subject, just be prepared for vaccine mandates for children. It's coming. We have to be ready for it. We have to be ready to do whatever we have to do to stop it in its tracks. And the only way that happens is if we stand up, we make the the tough sacrifices that are going to be difficult to make. We pull our kids out of school and say no more. It's as simple as that. We have the power in this situation. We can win that fight as long as we're willing to do everything necessary to win it. Okay, now I want to get to this German supermarket thing, okay? It's, it's very, it's very dialo- diabolical, it's very disturbing, and it's just a sign. What happens in Europe eventually comes to the United States in some way, shape, or form. Now, fortunately for us, we have this little annoying thing called the Constitution, that is the law of the land in this country. And 50% of us who live here in the United States are very, uh, let's just say we're very into the Constitution. It's very, it, We take it very seriously. Therefore, some of us are just never going to comply with, with, the, with these mandates, the masks, the vaccines, what have you. Germany is not so fortunate. They don't have this I, I'm sure they have a constitution. I'm not familiar, familiar with the German constitution, but it's not like ours. I can you, you can pretty much guarantee that. And in in a particular German state, it's called Hesse. I listen. If I'm butchering this name, please forgive me. I'm not German. I, I don't I don't know I don't know how to speak German. I, I took some German in in high school, I guess maybe a, a, a couple of classes. But I don't know how to pronounce the name of this state. It looks like Hesse to me, or Hesse. So forgive me. Again, if you're German and you're listening to this podcast, send me a nasty email if you need to. Regardless, we're not really going to have to say uh, the name of this too, too many times here. Frankfurt, which I know I'm, I'm pronouncing the right way, is the second largest metro- metropolitan region in Germany, it's, and it's in this state. And this state has become the first federal state in Germany to allow supermarkets to bar unvaccinated persons from from entry. So let's just set the table on that quickly. The German government, who and and this is a state government, but let's just say German government uh, to make things easy. They have funded the Pfizer vaccine, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, not Operation Warp Speed. This vaccine is killing tens of thousands of people. It also doesn't work. We've, we've covered that extensively. 80% of, of people in the UK, according to the latest data, uh, uh, who have COVID or are dying in the hospitals from COVID have been vaccinated. That's not even an argument anymore. Even the CDC director has come out and said that the vaccine doesn't protect you from getting COVID. 
And yet, with all of this happening, tens and tens of thousands of deaths, millions of injuries, tens upon tens of thousands of hospitalizations from this vaccine, the majority of people with COVID now are vaccinated. Even with all of this, the German state of Hesse or Hesse or however you say this, which includes the city of Frankfurt, is now allowing supermarkets to ban you from shopping if you are unvaccinated. My friends, this is a very diabolical development, shall we say. This cannot happen in the United States of America. This, I think... There are a number of things that could be a catalyst for civil war, and this is one of them. When people stop having the ability to shop for food, people start doing very dangerous things. Now, of course, we cannot resort to violence for any reason unless it's in defense of ourselves, our freedom, our families, etc. But a warning to all you deep state thugs out there. If you start banning people from shopping in supermarkets... You're going to have problems on your hands that you're not anticipating having. And I'll just leave it at that. And on this note with the vaccine. So uh, there was a Harvard study done uh, a while ago on the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Okay, VAERS. And this Harvard study concluded, excuse me, this Harvard study concluded that the reported Injuries and deaths on VAERS could be as low as 1% of those actually taking place. Okay, we know that 16,000, let's get an exact number here, 16,310 deaths have been reported to VAERS following the the, the COVID inoculation. The COVID inoculation. They say that it's as low as, it could be as low as 1% based on this study. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot of deaths from a vaccine, okay? If that if that was the case, you'd be looking at around 1.6 million deaths from this vaccine in this country. Now, let, let's just say for a moment that that's way too, that's out of the realm of possibilities. A more conservative estimate, shall we say, might be be to use a factor of 10, which would put it at 163,100 U.S. deaths based on the 16,310 that are officially reported. And we know that two Oregon senators are suing because they believe that it's off by a factor of five. You do the math on that. Whatever it is, we know that the, the deaths in VAERS are being vastly underreported. Underreported. So again, we are being we are being force fed this vaccine under the lie that it's safe and effective, which we all know it's not at this point. We all know that it's not. And the and the numbers themselves could be off to the point that 160,000 Americans have died from this vaccine. And and we're going to give this to kids. Are you serious? Are you serious? If you're a parent and you're planning on giving this thing to your child, you should have your parental rights taken away. Full stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's the reality. But you're on the verge of abusing your child in an irreparable way. That's a problem. 
And and we the, the list of things you can have your parental rights taken away from in this country is quite literally endless. And the fact that this isn't on the list, the fact that the masks aren't on the list. Every time I see a parent walking down the street with their kid wearing a mask, and many times the parent's not wearing a mask because they've been vaccinated. And you know they've been vaccinated because they're not wearing a mask and their kid has a mask on. And the reason that's the case is because their kid hasn't had the opportunity to get the vaccine because it's not approved for kids. Every time I see that scenario unfold, it really makes my blood boil. It makes me furious in ways that are difficult to describe. So, again, just... My friends, when when they come for the kids, which, which they're doing, and Biden is telling governors as early as November, when they come for the kids, be prepared because it's going to be a fight, and it's going to be a fight we have to win. Now, why isn't the media reporting on VARES? Why isn't Dan Bongino and Sean Hannity and uh, pick your take your pick of big name conservative talkers, all who seem to work for Fox News for some reason? We know why they're not reporting on it, because Fox News takes money in sums that are grotesque to those of us who do not make a ton of money. They take money in in those kinds of sums from vaccine manufacturers, from the pharmaceutical companies. So Fox News, Newsmax, these supposedly conservative outlets, they they are doing you a disservice by not reporting on this stuff. They are doing everyone a disservice, and they are, which means that you are misinformed if you get your news from these outlets. Turn off Fox News. Turn off Newsmax. They are not doing their jobs. They are in on this whole thing. Anyone not reporting on VARES right now, the fact that there's tens of thousands of deaths logged in VARES right now, and we know based on a Harvard study that that's off by either a factor of of uh, it could it could it could be as low as one percent, and at the high conservative uh, margin, it could be as low as ten percent of the deaths. Okay, ten percent, one percent. However, you break that down, it's a lot more than what's actually reported in VARES right now. So, anyone not not reporting on this this absolute atrocity taking place is doing you a disservice and should be ignored on all. It, on all things they don't they have lost the right to report on news by ignoring the biggest story of our generation period full stop no story is bigger than the story of behemoth techno fascist companies are creating products and then in turn governments are forcing those products on their citizens and then in turn from that point the products are killing people and maiming people, and now we want to give it to children, and Fox News and Newsmax is not reporting on this, and shame on them. Shame on the people that work there. You should not be taken seriously, period, full stop. Now, I want to get to one more thing. One more thing, folks. There's a guy. Let me just pull up this article. This is from Zero Hedge, one of my favorite. Well, actually, wait, let me retract that. It was originally authored by Paul Joseph Watson via Summit News, a fantastic website that if you are not checking in on, you're doing yourself a disservice. Instead of watching Newsmax, instead of watching Fox News, 
Go to Summit News, where Paul Joseph Watson writes. He is a rock star, and he makes these fantastic videos, very short, very easy to watch, very educational, and you're going to get more information and and more news from Paul Joseph Watson's five-minute videos than you are from watching Fox News for a week. Period. That's how much more superior the reporting is by Paul Joseph Watson than the reporting over at Fox News or Newsmax. Those guys are in on this scam, my friends. End of story. They just are. Remember, never forget, in fact, the election. Fox News called the election in Arizona while while votes were still coming in, and they did that on purpose. They did that to set the narrative, and then we all know what happened from there. The rest is history, shall we say. But Paul Joseph Watson reports that an expert who has uh, who has worked on cybersecurity things he's a, he's a cybersecurity expert let's say he's been cited by the New York Times the Washington Post he's one of these in crowd guys with the media he's a he's a democrat operative shall we say his name is Chris Vickery and apparently he is posting on Twitter that hospitals should stop offering life-saving services to people who are unvaccinated. I'm going to read his tweet. It's going to really make you angry, but it's going to give you a little insight into just how deranged these lunatics have become. And it's going to further compound the fact that we, as the, the free and liberated Americans, need to separate ourselves from these people at all cost. If you live in New York or California or Washington State, as beautiful and as as much as you love those places, as beautiful as they may be, they are beyond saving, my friends. And it's going to become vitally important as we move forward for us to, to come together. I see secession on the horizon, guys. I, I know that's a, a hard word for a lot of people, and I don't mean secession like the American Civil War 1.0. I mean soft secession, where we... We, we get to a point where we barely interact with what are increasingly becoming the enemy right before our eyes. People like Chris Vickery, who, let, let me get to this tweet, and then I'll finish that thought. Chris Vickery says on Twitter, set a date now. After that date, no hospital services for the willingly unvaccinated. He goes on, seriously, pick a date now. Make it something like December 1st, 2021. Broadcast this fact widely, then after the chosen date, anyone choosing to refuse the COVID-19 vaccine can deal with the consequences of that choice alone. He goes on, it has been long enough. Those people have had plenty of hesitation time and buffer space to check the science. There is no legitimate, well-reasoned, generally applicable argument to not get the vaccine. Hey, Chris Vickery, you absolute piece of scum. You you complete Nazi fascist, just, ugh, the words I want to use, my friends. We just laid out the reasons why no one should be getting this vaccine. And now thugs, Nazis like Chris Vickery want to give it to five-year-olds unforgivable. These people need to be held accountable, and we're going to have to do that, and we're going to have to figure out how to do it. Is it complete an, a complete economic blockade? Is it shutting people like this out from society? Because in polite society, in a good society where morality is valued, people like Chris Vickery would be in a prison cell. Period. I'm so sick of people like Chris Vickery. He goes on. 
Human society isn't a suicide pact. If you are too dumb to get the COVID vaccine, then you are not fit for continued life on earth. And of course, Twitter hasn't banned him or they haven't, you know, censored his account or anything like that. No, he's just continue. He's just allowed to continuously post vitriol like this on social media on a platform where the president of the United States has been banned from. That's how sick and upside down our current situation is. And my friends, these people, we need to separate ourselves from them because what they are doing is the devil's work. And we are going to be held accountable with them when we stand before God or when we stand before a court when this stuff starts getting worked out, which it will it, it's going to st- the the ship is going to get righted eventually, and we will regain our sanity. There are too many of us out there for this to con- to, to continue uh, ad infinitum. It, it, I think that's the the word or the the, the phrase. I, I may have butchered it there, but regardless, you you get the picture. The ship will be righted. We as free and liberated Americans will come out victorious from this fight, and then, and then we are going to have to punish people like Chris Vickery. That's just going to have to happen. Now, what, is, what that looks like, who knows? I don't, I, don't, I don't condone violence for any reason other than in defense of one's life. But Chris Vickery and those like him will have to be held accountable, and we will, ha- we will have to be the ones who do it. So, Chris Vickery, consider this a warning, my friend, or not my, my friend. You are no friend of mine. You, you are a, a full-blown enemy, a full-blown enemy, and we will hold you in we, we will hold you responsible. You are being treated from this moment forward as hostile. Just remember that, Chris Vickery. And one day, you'll have to pay for what you're doing. That's, the, that's all I'm going to say about it. Now, folks, that, that's going to do it for us today, for this Saturday episode. Remember, we are not going to be here tomorrow. We're taking Sundays and Wednesdays off. I, I greatly appreciate your flexibility on this, your patience. Like I mentioned before, we may do a uh, an update, a quick update on Wednesdays. We'll have to see what happens. If there's something pertinent, then then of course we will. If not, maybe we'll just leave it. Regardless, I'll have updates on that as we move forward. I will be back on Monday. And like I mentioned, we, we, ha- we, we need to remember that these vaccines have not been approved for any age group. They're still under emergency use authorization. And because that's the case, use the resources we have at coolhandnews.net. Use them and compile every bit of information that you've ever sent to your employer, that you've ever... Uh, email to them that you've ever talked about on the phone. Send, Keep all this information under lock and key because it's going to come in handy when you stand before a judge when this stuff starts getting sorted out, which it's going to. Again, it's going to. Just have confidence in that. Keep all doc, or document all interactions you've had with your employer. Make sure you've sent them everything you can get your hands on that shows just how diabolical it is that they are forcing this vaccine on people. And that'll that'll come in handy, again, when, you, when you're, you're sitting down with an attorney lay, laying out your case and building your case against your former employer, who's probably going to be out of business by the time you and the rest of the people who've been fired by them are done. 
We will be back on Monday. In the meantime, have a wonderful weekend. Have a great Sunday. Do something godly tomorrow. Do something for your family. Go to church. Say a prayer. Whatever it is, it's going to be better than not doing anything at all. Hang in there, my friends. We got this. Hold the line and take it easy, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Podcast Network. This week's guests are Mon Gukasian and Brett Settles from Revisto and Alex Belkoffer from McCarthy. Construction is the world's oldest industry but spends the least amount of money on innovation. When we realize people outside and inside the industry didn't typically associate it with technology like virtual reality, apps, and robotics, we started the Contact Crew. Each week we bring our listeners the latest in contact news and interview the minds behind the technological innovations changing the way we build. So strap in, enjoy the ride, and geek out. It's Contact Crew time. a special week it's a special week but i mean yes we have some amazing guests i mean really great great guests this week but if you know me you know that it's a special week for a very special reason because of what happened last weekend with my aggies i just got to talk about it we beat the hell out of bama Woo! if you didn't watch this game you you were 
you know, one of the few who didn't because 12.3 million people watched my Aggies beat down Bama. And it was glorious. It was glorious. I know, I know golf clap is justified. It, 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 it's, it's, it was glorious. Yeah, I'm going to get a little, get a little of a clap, a little tight. Now, you know what I'm upset about? We got, we got Alex Buttercoff from, he's, he's from Ohio. <laughs> and he's an Ohio State guy. That's right. That's right. And so he, he likes football. Just a little bit. What, what upset me is that we blew it so hard the previous two weeks against teams we should have won against, right? We, we, we blew it against Mississippi State. We blew it against Arkansas. First time in nine years we lost to Arkansas. Then we go and we take down the big dog. And now we have to depend on Auburn taking down Alabama so we can go to the SEC championship. And <laughs> Auburn's in the toilet right now. I mean, it's it's just I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's going to happen. But it was a it was a beautiful weekend for uh, just athletics in general. I am a regent of Texas Southern University, and we beat Southern University out of my hometown of Baton Rouge. The Astros are, you know, I'm of course I'm a Texas guy. The the Stros are going. Uh, they're playing the Sox tonight. Like there was all kinds of good stuff that happened, you know. And most importantly, the Texas Longhorns lost, which was you know absolutely re- required. So it was it was a big it was a big it was a big time. But we're gonna, we're not going to talk about football the rest of the show. I mean, I, I don't know. We can talk about it for just more, just another second. I mean, Alex, how, what's going on with the Buckeyes, man? I mean, things are going great, man. Team's looking solid. Some big wins here recently. We're rolling. You know, we recovered from the Oregon loss. You know, we're we're moving forward. Yeah. We got we got some big games coming up. Yeah, the pack. You know, the pack is just garbage, right? I mean, they they they, they occasionally yeah. sneak a win in, but they just they just can't. You know, they just can't pull their ish together no, uh, no. as a as a as a conference. It's like a disjointed, disconnected deal. Now they've they've created this like axis of evil between the the pack and <laughs> you know basically everybody but the SEC because the SEC is bringing Oklahoma and Texas in. So the the pack's like, oh no, we gotta we gotta organize or we're not we're gonna lose control of college football because the NCAA already lost yeah. control of college football. Yeah, well, man, I mean, you know how it is, James. I mean, the, if the pack could play defense, yeah, they would they actually have chances to win games. Yeah. Yeah, like the big ones. Yeah, yeah. The same. ones that matter. Yeah, they just, they, right. just they just aren't they just aren't doing it. There's there's a lot of defense. No. To tell you what, the Big Ten, the Big Ten is important for the SEC because someone's got to rival it, and the Big Ten definitively does. I mean, and really, it's like right. Clemson should be in one or the other. They shouldn't be over there in the ACC. You know, yeah, like it should be. Yeah. It's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird deal. Right, it's a weird deal. Right, and they actually play some real teams. Yeah, for a play some real teams. Yeah. Jeez, jeez, yeah. Louise, the Big Twelve yeah. has just turned into a total <laughs> joke now too. It's it's uh, disturbing. So I, I've got with me <laughs> Brett Settles and Armand Gukasi. And Armand, there's all this college football talk. I mean, you know, Armand, where, you've been on the show before. Remind everybody where you were born and raised. I was born and raised in Armenia, capital of Armenia, Yerevan, and then moved to all the rest of the world. Yeah. Started in, started in Moscow, in Switzerland, in the United States, and now I'm based in Switzerland. That's my home, Lausanne. Yeah, and... and- yeah, so so you're you're a globetrotter. You're a world. You're you're an international man of mystery. I think it's what I've referred to you as before. I mean, you you know you've been all over the world. You're you're building great things all over the world. But yeah, college football. It's got to seem a little silly first that they even we even call it football because we don't use our feet. And secondly, like we look at Wembley and these big soccer stadiums in Europe, and they're like they're like smaller than our smallest college stadiums, and we kind of like we it's like a running joke in America about it. But but we use them so little here, right? We we spend like one point six billion dollars on stadiums. We use like eight games a year. This has got to seem a little silly to Europeans, right? 
I mean, it's a U.S. type, right? Uh, like everything should be big, more expensive, and so, and we're used to that. It's crazy. It's crazy because we built. I mean, obviously, it's good for the construction industry because we. I mean, the the amount of construction volume. It's billions and billions of dollars for for yeah, stadiums. But here. now, yeah, but now we're gonna have, if I'm not mistaken, 2026, right, or 2028. Uh, it's gonna be the World Championship Soccer in uh united states yeah what was the yeah. year i don't remember 26 or 28 i don't i don't i don't remember yeah but it's gonna be yeah it's i i heard i heard about it. i mean i i played soccer so actually i'm a soccer player <laughs> i my mom is deep south woman she goes baby you're not playing football he goes i don't, I don't want you getting your head all messed up because my, my my deep south mom literally wouldn't let me play because she was worried about concussions in the 80s and the 90s which is like was not on the radar at the time. Now, now it's all we think about is concussion protocol. I mean, like my we went we went to Waco Surf Ranch, which was amazing, by the way, for the filled with Californians. And my daughter took a spill on the wakeboard, and and the first thing they did was a concussion check when she got back in the boat. And I'm like, what a world we live in, where we actually care about this. Like when I was a kid, it was like, are you conscious? Good, let's go. <laughs> now, now it's like a ten question set. It's a, it's a, it's a wild deal. And we also have Brett Settles. Brett, we, you know, we've, 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 you know our, our listeners probably know you by oh, now. Yeah. It's so good to have you back on. Where, where are you joining us from today, Brett? I am joining from a town called Grafton, Illinois, which is about forty miles north of downtown St. Louis. Nice, nice. So. Yeah, the cards are they're not in the hunt, huh? <laughs> you know, everyone picks on me about the Cardinals, but I'm not. You're not a Cardinals. I'm not fan. a big. I like for the Cards to win, but I just don't follow baseball. I'm more of a hockey person. Yeah. And so, you know, I follow. Alex and Brett. Yep. Yeah. I follow the Blues. That's something that Alex and I don't agree on. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I like playing sports, but I don't really follow many of. I play baseball, I play soccer, but I don't follow anything but hockey. Yeah, so I I love violent sports, and so me and hockey are good friends. And but I grew up in Louisiana, where we we didn't even have an ice rink growing up. Like, and so I, I think if I would have grown up somewhere where there was actually ice on the ground, like more than one day a year. Like I, I would have actually loved it because I just love beating the tar out of people. I mean, I every sport I went to, I picked the one position in that sport where I could legitimately beat the tar out of people. I played soccer. <laughs> and I played goalie my whole life. Goalie is the position where you have free reign to be as physical as you want to be, right? And uh, and if anybody's physical back with you, they get a flag. <laughs> they get a card. Right. They get a yellow yeah. card. You know, <laughs> it's 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 crazy. And then like when I played baseball, played catcher. Because you could just tear somebody up on the on the, on the plate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, I, I, but, right. but all of this seems like just a tease compared to what hockey players get to do, yeah, in a minute by minute basis. It's amazing. Well, it was really interesting when you were talking about concussions because all three of my kids play, as you can see from the youth symbols in the background, yeah. And I mean, it's very serious with the concussion stuff. But you brought it up earlier where. <laughs> I used to get hammered. I remember playing my first year of varsity hockey and like I'd get hit so hard and they'd be like, sit there and, you know, we'll get you back out in like three minutes. And I'd be like, where am I? <laughs> yeah. So, you know. yeah, it's 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 crazy. But we're, we're going to actually get to talking about construction tech. I just had to kind of shoot the bull here at the guys a little bit and get it, of course, get to, to know everybody before we 
keep talking. And, and we're actually, I promise listeners, we're moving on to construction tech. I want you to never miss an episode <laughs> by having every one of them sent straight to your email inbox when you text contact to 66866. You get the show notes. You get everything we talk about on the show. Just text contact to 66866. If you have a question, comment, suggestion, or just want to rando text me, which I love getting memes and I get memes from a bunch of you, get in touch with me at 979-473-9040. That's 979-473-9040. Always appreciate the text, the phone calls, the voicemails, the the random the random memes that I get that are uh, sometimes great and sometimes not appropriate to put on the air. So that's when I don't do it. But certainly uh, enjoyed getting uh, getting all of your messages. We had a big live episode. We had a bunch of questions coming in on that as well, which was Super fun. If you don't, don't, don't forget to text me. Uh, remember the cause of the show. According to the CDC, construction occupations have the highest rate of suicide as well as the highest number of suicides across all occupational groups. To combat these statistics, contractors, unions, associations, industry service providers, and owners must work together to stand up for suicide prevention. The Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention is raising awareness about the risk of suicide within the industry and providing suicide prevention resources and tools to create a zero suicide industry. Visit preventconstructionsuicide.com for more information. Now, back to our discussion. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on at Revisto because there's just some crazy cool uh, things that are, that are happening and that are going to happen. And when I heard about uh, a new software release, I reached out and, and was like, man, we've got to get y'all on the show. <laughs> we've got to talk about this. We have to discuss what's going on over at this company that is now a global firm. And just I'm just going to lay the stats out before we start talking to, to everybody here. Revisto was a, you know, a nice small startup several years ago when we first encountered them, had them on the podcast, big hopes, big dreams. And uh, they have been pretty hard at work since then and have built uh, a pretty sizable entity, 200,000 users now use Revisto, 3,000 companies in 150 countries and six continents. This is not your granddaddy's startup anymore. This is, uh, this is a, a global scale business that is really started in just you know, macro BIM, doing the things that all the mainline BIM softwares didn't do. You're doing model review, you're sharing on the web, then they got AR and VR, and they got all these neat features and ways to, to review and collaborate on a model. Right. It's it's there was all this missing functionality in the BIM authoring software that Armand and the team stepped in on. And uh, and so they, they had had a big release. I said, come, come on the show. Let's let's br- let's bring a builder on and let's talk about this, because at the scale they're at uh, with the number of users that are that are impacted by this, this is uh, this is a big deal. So that's why we're here today. So let's let's jump back. And again, we're going to start with Armand. Armand, we've had you on the show before. We understand your international man of mystery. Yeah, baby. And uh, you've been all over the world. You live in Sw- Switzerland, uh, one of my favorite countries. I-, I had a funny thing that happened. I don't know if I told you on- when the last time you were on the show. I went to Switzerland in 1997. I was 18 years old. Now, I had previously been in Germany and Austri- in Austria. And my dad took me as like my high school graduation present. We went to Europe for three weeks and went with a tour group. And the tour guide said the last time he had been in Switzerland that somebody threw a candy wrapper on the ground in this town that we went to, Adelboden, and they didn't know who did it. But a citizen of this town picked up the candy wrapper, found the American tour group, handed it to them, and said, this must be yours. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Because no citizen 
of this town would throw litter on the ground, and it actually legitimately was theirs. They were right. So Switzerland, fascinating place. Yeah, it's a clean place. <laughs> actually, I'll tell you that not, not only in a village, but everyone in, in a country, regardless which city you are in, you know, the, the, it's a very clean and proper place. Everybody's, you know, taking care of their garbage. They don't, you know, throw anything out. You know, yeah. we have, I would say there is a science behind the garbage in Switzerland. When you move to any any actually commune of the Switzerland, first thing you get is the rules of how to do your you know recycling, and you have like yeah. five to six recycling bags, in, and and everything is recycled hundred percent. Wow, yeah. So and and you have to do you have to separate it. Of course, here we do non separated bulk recycling because Americans are very lazy. And we don't like having to separate our recycling. And so, and so, so here, everybody just dumps it in. You know what? Like 90% of our recycling is, is here now? Amazon boxes. Yeah. Cardboard boxes <laughs> with Amazon on them. That's, that's like 90% of it now. But it's true. I mean, I, I, I saw a video about Japanese recycling. And they, they take it to like this video that I was watching. And I think it was on Vice. I love watching Vice because they always get into these like fascinating details about human existence. And they had like eight different things they had to separate it into. And they like would, would break it apart and like do all. I'm like, that's a lot of work with your trash, man. I mean, I, I don't know if you've been to Tokyo in to Japan, but yeah. that's uh, that's the only city I've been. I mean, only in a, in a, in, a sen- in a sense of the size. I mean, there is a f- big Tokyo. I, I think it's 40 million people are living. You don't see any garbage. You don't see any dust. I mean, yeah. you yeah. see, I mean, you go to the underground, to Metro, you see the guy who is taking care of the, you know, uh, of the Metro. I mean, the, the, the clean, the stuff, et cetera. He's in suit. Yeah. Literally in a suit. <laughs> suit. Yes. Yeah. He's proud of his work. Yes. And, you know, he's, he's brushing everything. I mean, he's on his knees. He's brushing. I mean, that's, that's fascinating. And yeah. crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome attention to detail. Awesome attention to detail. So you you you've been busy. You know you you started you started working in consulting and marketing, and then you were you were CEO at the an Inframap Group, and then in '08 you founded Revisto. So uh, let's talk about what the initial reason you founded it. Like why did you initially found it, and what has it turned into? Absolutely, and. If we look at the timeline that we've had, it's it's fascinating because overall the idea is the same, but we're just keep keep, keep adding the you know the more 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 content into it. But the the overall idea when I was the CEO of the InfoMap, it was a geo informational system. We were doing a three D mapping mapping and three D uh, buildings and addressing systems, so on and so forth. So it's a geo informational system. That was the first time. It was in two thousand five that I got into the basically city planning urban planning um, area. And when I saw the mass of the data, you know, that industry had, you can imagine back in 2005, uh, there was no, no, uh, no rabbit, no beam whatsoever. And it, it was fascinating. And I'm, I'm like, okay, how do this people, you know, basically take care of that data? How do they communicate? And what that was my, my, you know, initial thought and idea. And okay, what do we do in order to enable the communication coordination within this industry uh, a more cleaner way and, and and better way, and and that's why you know digging deep into the into that space from 2005 to 2000 end of seven, I said no, I gotta basically quit this job and found a company and bring a gaming technology because that was my after my research I did the only technology that could handle massive yep. data, yep. turn that into an interactive world 
and kind of make people communicate and see things that you can't see on a static data, right? So that was the initial idea when I started the company and when I you know, presented what I want to do and the first angel investor who invested in the company, that was the th- first thing I said. I said, I want to bring the gaming technology into the AC world, change the way people communicate and coordinate. So if you look from that idea, nothing has changed. But if you look at the path and the path of the innovations we've been having since 2000, you know, actually from eight to 10, we've been developing the product, the first version when it, when it came up, it was only for Rabbit and for SketchUp. And it was how we, you know, take this data, turn into interactive world so people can see that those beam objects and, and, and the data from, from, in, in, from any angle in interactive way. And that was the first idea. And then, and then we said, okay, that's not enough. Seeing it's not enough. How do we, if we see, we see the issues, how do we handle those issues? Let's create the issue tracking. And in development, we've been always using Jira as an issue tracking system. And we said, listen, let's take and create so the Jira type of issue tracking for ASIN world tailored for, for this industry. And that's how we came up with in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, the first version of the issue tracker. And then we said, okay, 3D and issue tracker, not enough because a lot of companies are still on 2D. Let's bring the 2D data. And we started to bring the 2D data and combining. So we, we became 2D, 3D issue tracking all together intera- uh, kind of interconnected. And then in 2000, it was in 2015. And in 2018, we brought more data, like integrations with more platforms and reality capture. So saying, okay, it's all good, but what we want is we want to standardize how people coordinate. So we got to do as many coordinate integrations with the authoring tools and the, and the formats that possible and you know read all type of data such as reality capture. So in 2018, we brought that and enlarging massively all the platforms that we've been kind of supporting. And then in 2020, we brought the version five, which was which is a revolutionary because what we said, we said, listen, we want now to change the way you communicate within the building, within your project. So drive the data behind it. So data-driven models. So you can find anything. And we're like joking saying, you know, with the version five, you can Google the building within a second basically find with the multi-parameters anything you want and then work with it. So timing, I mean, saving enormously the time for the people because that's the whole idea. And then when we brought the version five, it was already designed in a way that the next step is going to be clash coordination, clash automation, the way nobody has ever done yet, the way we've done it here. And I'm not saying just because it's ours, but that's the way we have done it. And, And the process we went through, I'll let Brett to talk about it, not to steal from it from him that that part, but uh, that was an amazing path that we've gone through. And then with the basically the clash coordination, clash automation module that we brought with the Rubisto Plus, that enables everybody to use it within one platform without you know changing your plugins, changing the multiple formats or or or, or softwares that you're utilizing. It's all in one. And that opens huge opportunities for for all type of users. But, you know, again, we'll talk about it. Sorry to take it long, but that's the story. No. Take the story. That's the story and the path that we've been through. It's okay. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I I love the, I love product paths, right? Like, because they evolve over time. Like you start with, you start to solve this one problem and then you start uncovering a lot more. I think the, the key in all product is starting at, with at least one problem. There's so many times you build software that's a solution in search of a problem and then it's hard to get customers and then you you never get to dig into all the other issues that that, that a company's having and 
that was that was for us a, a big key with with SmartBid was identifying that we had a big problem with faxing. You know, and and there was 2006. We had to deal with faxing invitations to bid, mm-hmm. so we solved that problem. Then we solved email invitations. Then we solved plan distribution, then sub management, and then pre qualification, and then you know it, it it just kept building on itself. But if we had never solved that first pain point, none of that other stuff would ever have happened. So I I think it's all, always worth re- reviewing how you got there. Now with us, you mentioned Brett. You know, we've had we've had Brett on before. But Brett, you joined Revisto back in 2017. So you're 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 coming on like 17, 18, like three and a half, four years now mm-hmm. with the company. And before that, you had a, a a really good background in GPS data collection, engineering technician, civil design consultant, AC solutions engineer. You got into VDC and IT and reality capture at Penta engineering corporation before before you joined i mean so you you got to work across the space why did you decide to leave the, the the building industry for the building technology industry like what was the 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 main thing that was like hey i i, I want to start working on the tech side of the house well it really was my interest in the product itself yeah so i worked for an epc and my job when i got hired and i'll focus on the last job i had before this because i think it's the one that's most relevant they brought me in in 2011 to modernize the way that they do business right and when i walk in of course i'm coming out of the autodesk channel and it is paper excel spreadsheets you know telephones that sort of company, right? Brilliant people inside the company, but just not very technology adverse. So we start to build on, you know, the the 3D modeling, the reality capture, the the drones, the scans. We worked a lot in mining. So all of that stuff was really important, the civil side, along with the vertical side. And, you know, I've always liked to work on the software side, but I have to be really convinced. And, you know, I was getting to the point where we were solidifying our tech stack as far as creation methods go, but I was still, you know, coordinating in, in, you know, Navisworks, sending screenshots, getting on phone calls, stuff like that. And then one day I get a call from somebody I've never met from a product I've never heard of. (laughs) And Mark Szeski goes, Hey man, you want to see the software? And I'm like, it looks interesting. So yeah, I'll take a demo, right? Like, You know, Mark was one of the people that actually crept through my email like, no, I do not want a demo. So I take a look at this thing, and it's all about the communication around the 3D model. And it was just perfect timing for me because that is the problem that I was trying to solve when I saw the software. So I immediately was so impressed because my biggest problem was, is how do I get these 65-year-old mining engineers to use models, to use data? And I saw this as my window. And to be honest, I worked so well with Mark and then talking to Armin that I really, you know, barely got it implemented and then left for for Revisto because I believed in the vision. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's uh, it's neat seeing something solving your problem, right? And that is how do I get everybody to look at this data and stop printing out plan files for them, right? Which is yep. kind of the the, uh, that's what you do when you can't get models into people's hands. You have to start printing out 2D plans. And uh, how, how do I get it there easily? And then, you know, you, you, you fall in love with the product and, and he, like here you are four years later, right? Uh, now, yeah. now tell, tell everybody, we, we know that Armand is the chief Pumbaa. We know he's the Willy Wonka of your chocolate factory over there, right? So what, what, what do <laughs> <Yeah>. you, <laughs> sorry, I've been thinking about Willy Wonka. You know, I went to a, con- I went to a construction tech conference two years ago and they had uh, Macklemore. So Macklemore performed live. And I went to it, and yeah, this song Willy Wonka. I'm like hooked on it, so I was listening to it on the way to, way to that. I'm listening awesome. to a rap song right now that's about blue cheese, 
And I love blue cheese, but like it keeps he keeps saying every minute he says, I love blue cheese. And I, I just I just really get into it. All right. So so you're so we know who Willy Wonka is there. What what role do you play, you know, building great glass elevators or, you know, to, to use more raw doll examples? I mean, what what are you doing now? Like, how's your role evolved there the now, Brett? Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting because when I came on, I really filled the role of what the people on my team filled for our early clients, right? That industry professional that provides that consulting, that handholding, because for clients, our product is not just a new way to do the same old thing. It's a new way to do things. So you got to sell an idea and then you got to sell a product that supports it. And my first role was really working directly with the clients. But as after I came on board, uh, that started to expand and actually what relates to the way that we developed this. I started getting more involved with talking with the development team. I started training new implementation service managers, which now kind of fill out my team. Started to go into more of a management role. Started to do fun things like writing processes and policies, right? Like, that's always fun. So, you know, I really just feel like I bring that industry knowledge, and that's what my team brings. And, you know, from what we'll talk about here in a second, my team mixed with the development team is really, really where this magic started to happen about what, why we're here today. Yeah, that's great. And, th- and then with us, we, we've got someone that's using this. And uh, we got Alex. Now, Al- Alex, we know you're an Ohio State guy. We've, esta- <laughs> we've established that. And, you know, Ohio State's like, it's always there knocking on the door, you know? It's always there knocking on the door. They're always waiting for greatness. You know, they're going... Remember us? Mm-hmm. We're here. And mm-hmm. and you've wrecked a right. few SEC seasons, might I might I add, just to give give a little props where props is due. But uh, where were you born and raised, and like, where do you live now? Yep. Well, great state of Ohio, yeah. for sure. Born and raised. Uh, Northwest Ohio, so Toledo specifically, just south of Detroit. That's why I'm a big yeah. Detroit sports fan. Yeah. But, uh, but I picked the right university, of course. <laughs> and, you know, I've lived and worked most of my life in Ohio until, you know, the great state of Missouri and St. Louis came knocking and McCarthy called me up and, uh, and here I am. So I'm actually in St. Louis, uh, you know few miles away from Brett. Don't get to see him a whole lot because he's busy doing, you know, a bunch stuff. of amazing things, changing the world with Revisto. But when we do see each other, we're working on some great stuff. And we are extremely excited about this this technology that I believe is revelation, revelations for people changing the industry. I mean, it's this is dynamic. This is transforming what we do in the AEC space. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. And it's exciting when tools actually completely change a workflow. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you think about like power tools have done that, right? Certain power tools hit the market that completely changed the way that we build. And, yeah. you know, you, you, you have the time before this power tool, the time after the power tool, when you, when you had, you know, the, the invention of breakers and now, and now we have battery powered everything. We have battery powered concrete breakers now, right? I mean, you have, mm-hmm. you, you have all kinds of things that are hitting the market that are going to permanently change the way it is. California just announced a mandate that all gas powered equipment has to be phased out in the next 30 or 40 years, wow. which, which, you know, you, 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 and there's going to be a, a, a sea change in, you know, what equipment is used. And this is equipment, right? It's software equipment that is, uh, that's transforming the way that mm-hmm. the way we build. So that's exciting. St. Louis, uh, I'll be, all right. My Aggies are going to be there this weekend over in Columbia playing. You know, I, at first I thought we would lose to Mizzou. Now I'm feeling a little better. I, 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 mm-hmm. if we can show up like we did against Alabama, I think it'll be good. St. Louis yeah. is a city I go to quite a bit. 
a lot of big builders there, a lot of activity. Uh, it's definitely like, I feel, you know, I would feel like St. Louis and Kansas City are like construction towns, right? Like there's a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of big builders. They build a lot of big projects and not just in their town, right? They travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite project so far that you've worked on? Favorite project? It, it is tough. I do have to say though, I really enjoyed the renovation we did of Union Station. Nice. Uh, primarily because we put an aquarium, which is not meant to go in a historical train station and we did it. <laughs> And, it, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's really cool. I love, by the way, I love aquariums. Whenever my, my wife and my two daughters and I travel, we always go to like animal stuff. Yeah. And uh, aquariums are always on the list. So definitely we'll have to go see that uh, next time. Oh, yeah. Next time I'm up there. So let's talk about, yeah. let's talk about, Armand, let's talk about the big news. What's the big news? What's the big, what's the big, what's the big announcement? The big announcement is the Revista Plus that we brought up, as I said before, is the clash automation that completes the, you know, circle of coordination yep. and, and that process that you do everything in, in, in one federated environment and you don't need to leave, you don't need to switch your software and the way we brought, and I think we're going to do a live demo in a bit, it's pretty crazy and amazing. And the stuff that we brought on that doesn't exist. And, you know, it saves enormous amount of time of the users in any corner is what they do right now. So that's that's the biggest thing. It's Revista Plus, which brought, I'm not going to name everything, but it's over 150 new invo- uh, features, not features, but I would say improvements, plus the, you know, the, the clash automation overall. Yeah. So... You you don't just say clash detection, you say clash automation. And clash automation because it is clash automation and you'll see it in a bit. It, and 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 Brad will elaborate pretty nicely on that. Cuz it's real time, right? It's real time. And it's real time, you can set your workflows, you know, we're bringing even, you know, more automation with the advanced automation on top of it. So you could basically set workflows saying, you know, if you see any issues on level 2 with those parameters and it's all data driven. And that's the good good things that you you set the parameters based on data, and you're saying if those data match matches, they, you create the issue and you assign that issue on James, and you know the watcher is Armand, and then respond and and uh, let's say you know the the uh, what do you call the the critical level of the issue should be critical, so on and so forth. So you set those workflows, which basically does for you. And the good news is you're it's not just automated automated. It gives you an ability to do all your manual stuff as well as automated. So we're not taking that, you know, that manual process in the sense of, you know, giving the power to the VDC guys to, you know, set the rules they want to. So we're not set, setting the rules. We're giving the tools for the VDC people to uh, set their own rules they, the way they want, which, you know, adjusted to their workflows. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Let's, let's, let's just, I, I, we'll talk about what it's like afterwards uh, later in the show, Alex, but how are you doing? How how were you doing Clash before this? I mean, you know, for years we, we've always done Clash through you know most of the um, authoring environments um, coming from from the Autodesk space, right? Yeah. And that's what we've all kind of cut our teeth on, right? I remember coming up in the industry in in the mid two thousands, you know, when it was Jetstream and then it became Navisworks. I mean, that was the thing, right? And the industry is for the most part standardized around that until. We were waiting for, you know, the next evolution or was something else going to come along? And this full circle of coordination has has been the nugget we've all been looking for, right? It's it's been the BIMtopia. And Revisto has slowly but surely crept its way into being that that magical nugget that a lot of us have been waiting a long time for. And so this is extremely exciting. Yeah, because Clash was 
like a like an asynchronous like non it was it was like a serial process not a parallel process to to put it in like nerd speak yeah you 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 had to do you had to do your authoring and then you had to take your model and then you had to bring it over into this other program then you had to run clash and then you had to export the list of class and then you had to tell people to fix it over here and then they had to re-ex it was actually kind of a pain in the butt right like you absolutely i mean it is important i mean if you don't do clash detection of course what happens you find it in the field right i mean yeah it increases your cost of course yeah yeah so the whole point of clash detection is to not find it in the field to find it digitally right and clash detection before this was super super linear and and serial (laughs) like step one then step two then step three and sharing it and collaborating on that was a real big pain in the butt so what did uh, what how did you really rethink that process and brett you're welcome to answer or or armand how 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 did you rethink the process of clash to um, to really automate as much of it as possible so what's really interesting is, is obviously there have been people who have taken a shot at this before. Yep. Right. Clash automation. Yep. And there is a factor of convenience that people are willing to pay for. And then there's a factor of control. Now, the thing is, is I think that when you think of Navisworks, you get that control you want. You get that data driven ability to control it as you wish. Mm-hmm. What a lot of the new automation tools have done have really banked on people paying for convenience. And while some people are willing to do that, some of the more advanced clients really want that control, but they don't want the, what I like to call desk labor, right? Which is certainly accounts to someone sitting there pulling boxes around things saying, this goes with this and this goes with that. We don't think that that's a very good use of these individuals' time, we think that they could provide the company much more value than these button presses that they're doing. So we say, what do we need the human to input? And what are the tasks that that human is doing that are just simply a waste of time? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, look, I've seen others attempt this, right? And and certainly I've seen people build add-ins into the authoring tools where yeah. as they're drawing, it's, it's trying to identify Clash. It's actually been really hard mm-hmm. to pull that off, though, at scale. Like, you know, with, you know, at yeah. the, the scale of users you have and the, the number of trades they're in. I mean, you, it's not like you're just in one tiny vertical, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you guys are all across the building spectrum. So... Um, building something this complex, I mean, how, how, how did you, I mean, or did you, and Armand, you're, you're welcome to answer this. Did you change anything about how you developed the product to arrive at this? Yes, we did. I mean, we've, we've been always since last, at least last three to four years, we've been doing that. But especially with the Clash Automation, the way we did, we literally combined and joined all our forces internally, VDC, I'm calling VDC, it's our customer success implementation managers that are coming from different spaces, infrastructure, engineering, MEP, uh, building, construction. You know, Brett right now have over 15 or 16 people under him of those professionals globally. And we joined them all together we're, uh, together with our dev team and then sit down and learn, okay, what is it the process we have today? What are the challenges? And then, of course, drag the, the key premium user group people that we have giving some feedback. Okay, what, what are the you know, processes they're having right now? So we learned first, what is it that the, 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 what is the way the people are kind of working right now with clashes? What are the challenges? 
what are the most important thing, what are the tasks they're trying to achieve? Because the thing is that I always say to Brad, I'm like, dude, when you talk to us, like to from development perspective, you don't have to tell us how to do it. You got to say, what is your problem? And the way we're going to be doing it is we're going to give you a solution to that problem. And and that's what, what happened. And we, we've been meeting basically every single week during the last nine months on and going through like three-hour sessions every week, development, VDC guys, going through topic per topic, and then mocking up everything. And then that mock-ups, you know, came into, into kind of a, an organism of, okay, what it will, will look like. And then we started to create the tasks and then go super deep. So the way we've developed that, this clash automation, this, this is not a beta. This is not something which is just came out and it's going to be improved. It is a rock solid product that came out because we have gone through so many iterations and so many things that we thought through that, you know, even when, when we gave this to 90 companies, uh, James, globally to test, if I'm not mistaken, starting in August, like closed beta testing, and we didn't receive any, any feedback that would say, you know what, you didn't think this, or you didn't think that, or this doesn't work, that doesn't work. That was what we're looking for. Okay, did we miss something? But we didn't, because we went through literally weekly iterations on how to build this and what is the problem we're trying to achieve and, and to solve and how are we going to achieve that? And that's, I don't know if that answers to your question. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you're, you're, you're revolutionizing the way internally that you're dealing with responding to client needs. So let's talk to the client, Alex, <laughs> what has it actually done for you? Like what, what is this, what has this resulted in for McCarthy and for you and your use there? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a pretty strong partnership with Revisto and we've, we founded this partnership a couple of years ago because we believed a couple of things in order to get to this point. We believed that they were a dynamic tool that was going to change the industry we believe that kind of their philosophy of this integrated collaboration platform lined up extremely well with our philosophy, which is integrated virtual building. That's what we're trying to promote here at McCarthy. And that's what we're trying to push the industry to be better at is building virtually before build physically. And the idea of this platform becoming the single source of not just truth, but collaboration. The industry has to get better at collaborating. Projects are tougher, they're faster, they need to be more efficient. People don't have time. You know, we are in a, a state of the industry right now where we needed something like this. And this full circle of, of collaboration and coordination and now clash automation yep. is here at the right time. We need that in 2021 and moving forward. So for McCarthy, this partnership, which started off with just the, the basis of the single source of collaboration yep. has now evolved and come full circle. And, and that's what's exciting for us. That's awesome. Well, let's look at it. We're we're gonna we're gonna do a first ever. We've actually never done a full live demo of how this works. But I am a super nerd, and having been uh, writing code since I was eleven years old, I would love to actually see some some applications. So yeah, Brett, show me show me some of the good sauce here. Of course, we remember, remember we have a bunch of people that are listening that are not gonna be able to see this bunch. You know, we have we have a lot of people who will go and watch the video online. Remember, we stream this on LinkedIn because we have a lot. We are we are live streaming on LinkedIn when we do this show. We're going to stream this on LinkedIn. We're going to stream this on Twitter. We're going to stream this on Facebook. So on any of those social channels, if you go to the, the content crew, you can watch the video portion of this. But Brett, if you go ahead and share your screen, let's actually look at this. And I'll, of course, kind of narrate on top of what you're saying. All right. So 
we're looking at we've got the uh, the application open right now. This is an application that's installed on your computer, correct? This is this is the Revisto Windows app. Yeah, that's correct. So we work we work on mobile devices, tablets. Uh, we have some phone stuff coming later this year, but primarily right now we're on tablet-based devices as well as PCs. We do work in VR, obviously that's on the PC, but we do have a VR application as well. So what you're looking at today is the, the PC version of the tool. Yeah, awesome. So we're in the PC version of the tool. We're looking at, uh, what is this, a hospital? Yeah, so this is actually a hospital located in Australia. Like we said, down in Australia, they not only like us, but they share their models with us quite quite frequently. So I've got a lot of these Australian hospitals. Nice. We have little, <laughs> little kangaroos and wallabies uh, hopping around and absolutely like, koala bears you know. crawling up the eucalyptus trees and all, all kinds of fun stuff. All, shout, so, a shout out to all of our Aussies down there. All right. So what, so what do we got? <laughs> so, you know, I'll try to, for the listeners out there, we're going to do a visual demo, but I'll try to keep this as audio as I can as well. So first of all, James, if you go back to what we talked about with version five, that's where we entered all of this model data, right? So over on the left, you're seeing the model data and you're seeing what came out in version five, which is those search sets. The reason I wanna show this first is because your search sets are essentially the basis for any clash test that you will do. What these search sets do for anybody that's not VDC is they seek out parts of the model that you would wanna compare against other parts of the model. And so they're data-based searches. So if I look for fire protection mains and you know isolate those, I can see those in the model. So anyone that kind of wants a brief, you know, kind of what's the base layer of clash detection, this is really it right here, the model data and the way that we search for it. Yeah, and of course, what we're seeing is that we, we have a, a beautiful translucent view of the building so we can see through to the items that we want to look at. That's exactly it. And what you were looking at were those fire protection mains yep. that we had searched out. So Really what that is, is that is the basis for clash detection. Now, this is a pretty big test model, so it's a little messy in here, but I think everyone can figure this out. What we're looking at here is the clash automation panel. Now, when we were thinking about this development, there were a, a few very important things. One was the workflow first. Most of our clients loved our product, but hated the fact that they had to go from authoring tool to a middleman to us. And it created a very complicated model management scenario for these VDC and BIM professionals. So even though we built these tools to what we think they should be, the goal was always how do we go and create a relationship directly from the way that we create to the way that we coordinate to the way that we manage projects. And James, I know that your, your users are very familiar with Autodesk and Procore, and I like to use them as an example because they've really defined their own spaces and that's really what we're trying to do here. Yeah. So we want to exist right in between those two and really provide a best-in-class service to do so. So the first thing we did was said, where are the bottlenecks in the human part of this process? And the biggest bottleneck is the actual crunching of the clash detection data. As, as you know, a lot of people deliver what they call NWDs and NWCs to whoever's in charge of coordination. Then usually there's one or two people that have to crunch all that information and get it out to the people before they build something. And if they don't get it out to the people before they build something, they'll just build it anyway. <laughs> so it's really important that you get this info out. So we've really wrapped a lot of collaboration around this to where the GC can really be the facilitator of this 
But the MEP firms, the architecture firms, and everybody can be involved in this collaborative process. You can see here on some of these tests that I'm not allowed to step on someone's toes because they've got that checked out because we are now working in a cloud-based collaborative process with Clash. Now, to get to some of the technical parts of this, this is where things, this is where we decided what does a VDC coordinator do over the course of two days and how do we make that happen in a couple of, you know, dialogues. So in here, this is where we can go through and say, all right, I want to do something very simple just for the sake of this demo, structural framing versus ductwork, right? So what we're doing here for all the listeners is we are basically saying, all right, we're going to find any ducts that are colliding with the framing. Keep it real simple so I can uh, not be searching for a lot of things. But as we go through this, this is where up until this point, the idea of selecting a search set is, you know, pretty common. We haven't really changed the world just yet, but this is where all that starts to happen with the VDC managers and, and coordinators where they can come in here specify any type of metadata they want to use in this process. They can choose what type of collisions they're going to work with, hard clearances and horizontal and vertical differences, as well as intelligently ignoring clashes with the same model that have been found in other instances where that priority may be a different trade. So as I walk through this, this is where I can actually group my clashes. Now, James, from a VDC standpoint, this may be one of the biggest things that has always been a problem. And there are some very good tools out there that do this, but they're third-party tools and they don't play into the coordination and the communication part. So we knew that we needed this to close the loop as well. And we use a very intelligent metadata-driven way where I can come in here and say, all right, I want to see what level, what room, and I also want to see what mechanical system it's a part of. Initially, this is just the way that we group things, and we can automate who we communicate that to. And that's really all that we're doing is, is we're taking this data, we're crunching it into a way that we can communicate it, and now it's all about just simply running that class test. And we are now getting results that used to take days or sometimes longer than days to create. As we jump in here, you can see those results. Yeah, and they're seeing, we're seeing a clash list, but I can also see all of them visually on the actual model, right? I can see all. Oh, absolutely. I can see them all highlighted. I can also see a clash list, and then they get color coded. So I've got green and red clash. You can change those colors. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a ton of stuff there. You can change those colors, yeah. etc. So yeah, and you can sync them all or not all, whatever is approved into into issue tracker. Now, as I'm doing this, everyone else that has access to this model can see the same points of clash that I'm seeing. Exactly. That's exactly correct. So if I get yeah. on the phone, if I get up on, if I'm Alex and I get on the phone with my office over in Kansas City, and I say, hey, can you open up Revisto, go to this model, and look at this clash with me? Like the second after he right. runs the clash list, they, they can see the exact same clash list, and they can see the same highlighted model. Right. Exactly. And, and they can see also that which clash test Brett, in this instance, is working on. So they can see that it's, it's unchecked. As, lo as, long as, far, uh, and as soon as Brett is finished, he's checking out, and it will be available for, to to edit for the other you know coordinators. And there is no actually physical files because what what was happening before, as you know, James, you were sending your NWCs yeah. uh, in, physically, <laughs> yeah. so they will open it. 
here it's all yeah. in collaborative way. You collaborate and then everybody sees that. And then, and then before turning those clashes into issues, you already do a, a huge filtering in a sense of what really makes sense to send to an issue. Because the problem is not to feed your issue tracker with millions of issues. No, the, the, you got to understand what is your real issues and then feed into issue tracker. And that's that's very important to understand, right? Yeah, because uh, you 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 would you would never auto feed the entire issue list because then you'd have you'd have way you'd have way too many issues. So if you if you auto fed exactly and and people losing it, you're trying to break it down into the things that are actually items that need to be addressed. Absolutely, and in collaborative way, yeah. and then and also the the build the, the module we build is from the scratch, and it's so super fast. So we're doing like three million clashes. We did a test less than forty five minutes. Like in comparison to the other platforms, I'm not going to name, it takes like two and a half days to do it. So it's super fast. Yeah. Like 1,200 clashes, it found it within, what, three seconds. It's because you're using a fundamentally different method uh, of, mm -hmm. this is a geometric clash engine, right? So you're not doing a rules-based clash engine that's a geometric clash detection, right? And so you're mm -hmm. doing this in a far more efficient, far more effective way, taking a multi-day process down to a couple of hour process to sum it up. Exactly. So we wrote actually on Clash module, we wrote our own engine. So it's not even using the gaming engine. We wrote our engine, nice. which is a multi-thread and it's super fast and super efficient. Yeah. And James, you know, the last thing before we kind of end this little demo here is that this is where everything that we've done for this development connects into everything that we've done well for years is right here where that Clash detection issue, those coordinators are working with becomes a way to deliver that information out to the end user. And and then show show also that how it is with a 2D, 3D and a clashes. That's also massive because you know nobody has that. Oh yeah, the ability to identify where it's located at on the drawings, looking at it with a 2D map, with a grid intersection, all that. That's available. awesome. So you're 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 directly translating the two-dimensional plan view to the three-dimensional model view. The, uh, the 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 image capture of the point of clash, and then you're you're tying it up into an issue that can actually be dealt with and resolved. Obviously, they have to deal with it and resolve it over in the editing software, and then and then it gets republished through the Revisto add-in back into Revisto. Correct? Yeah, and it goes like the switchback goes all the way to the to the authoring tool, yeah. and we are doing the clash detection on top of the point clouds as well. Yeah. So any data you have. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. James, one thing real quick for the listeners that are in my shoes, kind of in the BIM VDC manager or leader role, this is really the 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 arrival of customized class detection. That's really what this is. This is finally democratizing clash while still keeping rules and parameters so that you know people don't go off the rails and you know start you know like it's the wild west. But this is the arrival of customized clash that is focused, intentional and democratized to where everyone can access it and not everybody's waiting on the VDC manager to publish the latest, you know, model. Yeah. You're making it available to everybody yep. immediately yep. in real time. Yep. That's, this is a, it's, so to use a technical term, it's asynchronous clash, right? And that's the, that, that, that would be the ability for everyone to log in and see it in real time and then see changes in real time and see as issues get created. So it's, it's like the Google Docs of Clash. I remember when Google Docs came out, it just blew my mind, like asynchronous collaboration blew my mind at how fast it was, how rapid it was, how it totally transformed document editing. Yep. And, and you're, you're, you're bringing all those same concepts over to Clash. That's cool, man. I mean, Brett, thanks for first ever live demo on Content Crew. 
Not a problem. And, uh, you know, it's a, a lot of complication, you know, boiled down into five minutes. So if I lost <laughs> anyone during that technical part, uh, I do apologize. But it was all important sure. stuff, right? And just it's, it's important to understand how this is working and what, yeah. what it ends up looking like. There's obviously videos and information you can go check out with Revisto if you want to find out more information on it. But let's let's kind of bring it home back to you, Alex. The end of the day, this 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 makes it all available in real time. This drops the amount of time down. But what what's the net impact to McCarthy? And the net impact is just again back to what the, what it's doing to the industry, right? I've actually referred to Revisto recently as the new digital coffee pot of the industry because we want it to be the place that everyone wakes up and goes to for project coordination. So the overall impact for us as a builder that's doing more collaborative project delivery, design build, design assist, IPD, that's the way the industry is shifting. The net impact is this is helping us onboard everybody early and have that single source of collaboration. So when class automation you know, has arrived now and it's closing that loop, we don't need to be spending time in lots of different tools. We're leaning down the tool set and the tech stack is very straightforward now because now we have our primary space for everyone to arrive at the, the digital coffee pot. Yeah, that's something. And in our pre-user group we were having at McCarthy's in, in August, and it was a really interesting topic that we, uh, we touched. It's uh, how these flash automation is going to be evolved. Not, of, of course, it's for the key clients for us all for this is, of course, the contractors. But it's going to open up a new era for the designers because they're going to be able uh, because they're always were you know afraid of going to Navisworks because it's too complex so on and so forth. Now they have in this environment an ability to do their clash redesign before going to the to the to the contractors or to the construction field, a construction phase. And, and, and that was an interesting topic that we were talking uh, with one of the top designing firms as well and with McCarthy's, how it's going to change their attitude. And we'll see how it goes. But that's, that's also interesting to, to kind of mention. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So let's, let's, let's bring it home at the end of the day. Armand, you know, this is the business of construction tech as well on this podcast. Your business has gotten way bigger. And, you know, there's really only two outcomes on this (laughs) or three, I guess. You can stay private forever. You can exit to another company. And there's a a few big ones out there that are out gobbling up companies. Uh, Autodesk and Procore and Oracle have all made massive acquisitions in, in recent years in construction tech. What's the what what I, I know that some of this you can say publicly, some you can't. But, you know, from what you can disclose publicly. What's the future hold for the business of Arvisto? Yeah, I'll tell you in public, but I, don't, I have nothing to hide. <laughs> so, no, we are going with a third path. We're going public. We're going to be going public. And the uh, reason for that is, you know, during all these years we've been working with our users is we're, we, we were always confident that, you know, what we do is we're doing for the end users of ours. And whatever innovation we do is to solve their problems truly. Because, see, I mean, if one don't have, doesn't have, you know, get to the peak that doesn't have you know, anywhere to grow or doesn't have the capabilities to, you know, do the innovations, of course, they got to go either, either or, right. But, but in in our case, we have, we know what industry needs. We're so close with our users. And I hope that, you know, Alex also can say that we are very reactive on things that we do towards the needs of our users. Of course, with the priority, we're not running left and right. And, and we have the most important thing, capabilities of doing it. 
And we, you know, we're a profitable company. We don't need any funds. We're investing our funds into the development all the time. And that's why we are going with a path. Number three is to grow and to set the uh, collaboration as a standard in AC industry to work within one platform, i.e. Revisto. And we're going to go you know, public because the, the capabilities are, are endless. And uh, this industry just starting to shift. And there is so much stuff that we're going to be doing for the next three to five years that I can't name it. But that's the path that we're going through. Yeah, grow, grow IPO, buddy. Get it done. I'm excited. You heard it here on the Content Crew podcast. That's the future of this uh, this uh, this company. And I, I understand why that would be your target. Of course, if I were in your shoes, and you, of course, don't have to comment on this, I'd go after the editing suite myself since you're taking care of everything else. You might as well start modifying the software, uh, modifying the model inside your software. But that's just me. I'm not sure yet because that's the thing. We don't, I mean... <laughs> I want to elaborate a, a little bit, if you let me, on, you know, this sure. is the coordination is the key what we're taking, right? And and and, and f- at least for a while, we'll be considering on that. And we don't want to do everything like, you know, like CD platforms. That's what we do do. And we do expand the integrations with the CD platforms, right? And with the PM softwares, with the authoring tools. These are the s- stuff that we don't want to get in there, but we want to give the gates through Revisto to it. But as far and when it comes to the coordination collaboration, that's what we want to set as a standard. Nice. And that's kind of, I hope that makes sense. But in authoring tools, there are too many authoring tools out there. And that's the thing. We're platform agnostic. We don't want to force somebody to use like, you know, Revit, uh, Bentley, or, you know, I don't know, Trimble. Everybody has their own, you know, reasons why they use for, you know, certain type of projects that those authoring tools. So from our perspective, we are kind of going through that open beam mindset that regardless what format you're utilizing, regardless what authoring tool you're utilizing, you bring that data all in one space and collaborate. Because the problem is that the the data is so complex and what we're trying to do and what we're doing is we're facilitating to access to that data without knowing that authoring tools and mm. solving those problems. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Uh, appreciate it. It is time to wrap the show up. Any uh, any final, final comments, uh, Mr. Brett Settles? Mm-hmm. No, not at all. I just really appreciate your time on the on the show. And this is where we get to really kind of show it to the public for the first time and a yeah. lot to be talked about. So if anybody wants to know more, you can know how to get a hold of us. And like Armin said, we're going to continue down this road of really carving out our space and coordination and collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. And Armand, thank you for your comments just now. Alex, any closing comments? For sure, man. I mean, the hype is real. I mean, class automation is here. It's amazing. Go get you some. Go get it. Get you some. Go get you some. Yeah, yeah revisto.com, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, R-E-V-I-Z-T-O dot, dot com. <laughs> and go Buckeyes. Yeah, had to, you had to stick it in, man. Pre- you know, James Hillegas is going to be on. Oh, yeah, he said. Okay, well, you know, it, it, it's it's all good. Let's <laughs> let's see who let's 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 see. You know, if you can get past the rest of your schedule. Uh, you know, you had a, you had an easy time against Maryland. You got Indiana coming up unranked. It looks like your your first real competitor is going to be Penn mm. State on October thirtieth. Mm. So when you when you get done with cupcake football, then let me know and we can. We can talk, but I, I, you know, I, I, I say that tongue in cheek because Ohio State has laid a beat down on SEC teams enough times in the in the playoffs that I'm like, yeah. I'm always nervous about smack talking. That's right. Ohio That's State right. Man. Because like you get to that semifinal, 
and then it gets real, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, like, right. that's right. Like, we always get better as the season goes. So you better watch out. You do. You do. You do get better as the season goes. And that's the problem is, is it's like now that we yeah, have a playoff, right. if, if, they, if they implement a quarterfinal, you got to watch out because Ohio, Ohio State's a playoff team, man, for sure. It's the right. it's, it's the way up. You know who isn't? Notre Dame is not. I'll tell you what. They, I know. Exactly. I agree. The, yeah. the Aggies should have been last year with one loss. They should have been in instead of Notre Dame. That's all I got to mm-hmm. say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it is 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 what it, we we can we can yeah. agree on our mutual dislike and distaste for Notre Dame and their and their fo- and their football program. But there you thank you for tuning in today to Geek Out episode two eighty six. Our interview with Armand, Brett, and Alex. To read all of our news stories, learn more about apps, workflows, and hardware, uh, please subscribe to our newsletter at jvknowledge.com or text CONTECH to 66866. Uh, big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, Kara Dalton Aro, our creative producer, and Tish Lynn, our ad coordinator. To listen to this show, go to thecontechcrew.com. This is The Content Crew signing out. Until next time, enjoy the ride and geek out. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.